Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Four Guys Roundtable Show with my podcast cohorts, Coach Jeremy, AJ Nitro, Darth Pat, and me, Just Theo. <laughs> Austin Powers, really? We're going that soon, Darth Pat? Austin Powers? I'm trying to mix it up a little. Give me a break. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go to that side, we could definitely go that way. You know, we could bring out the English accent. I don't want to tell you English accent. My God, open your ears, Matt. <laughs> <sighs> Never mind. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> oh, Never God, mind. This short, damn it. <laughs> well, if we're talking Darth about Pat short, we have asleep. something else that might be short. <laughs> but it's not gonna be this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Great. And then with that, we put Pat, Darth Pat to sleep, okay? All right. How's everyone doing this evening? Doing great. I was sitting up my campfire today. Well, not my campfire, but my fire pit with a nice fire going. It was a little smoky today. I don't know why. I couldn't figure out why we had so much smoke. Because the wood is definitely not wet, so it wasn't like I was burning out the, the wet out of the wood. So it was a little weird. But, eh, you know, it is what it is. Two of us were watching SummerSlam this evening. Yes. Yes. Mm, SummerSlam. I uh, can't say I've watched that in a while. It was uh, okay well, for the most part. Watched it was last year. It was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I I thought it was going to be a train wreck. It wasn't a train wreck. So it was. It was like. Oh, it was there. It happened. It wasn't anything memorable that five years from now I'm probably going to remember. Well, what I mean is I don't think I watched it last year either. I don't think I've watched SummerSlam the last two years. I think that Pat McAfee last night was the coolest thing this weekend. He surprised everybody. Well, do yeah. tell. Yes, yes. Uh, he Him probably had the best celebrity of performance team. of all time in their first wrestling match, like legitimately. Him and, Adam, him and Cole arguably was the best match last night at the yeah. takeover. Pretty so much. he evidently was training. Clearly, yeah, he's he's definitely had some training. He's probably done more than what that we really know about, to be honest. Cool. Pat, what were you going to say, Darth Pat? I was asking if McAfee did because uh, when he said that it was like the best first time performance, I said, did he do better than LT? Of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> the fridge. I mean, I figured the answer was yes, but I was just curious. I mean, he yeah. did a he did a really cool like flip off the ropes and then ran back and jumped up onto the ropes. Like, like he showed some, a lot of agility and just, just it. it was one of those things where I don't think anybody's the, the tagline for SummerSlam tonight was you won't see it coming. I feel like Pat McAfee <laughs> last night fit that better than other than Roman coming back tonight. That was the only thing I didn't see coming <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Are they trying the, to steal Matt, a tagline from me. Mine was throw it in your face. Are they kind of trying to? Is that why they can't see it coming? Hmm. I wonder. Shit. <laughs> I was, I, when when I hear that now, for whatever reason, I always think of uh, the trailers for uh, Iron Man three. I think it was uh, because I remember like, well, well, Ben Kingsley as the okay. Spoiler alert. Ben <laughs> Ben Kingsley as, you know, the fake Mandarin in, like, the Iron Man 3 trailers, like, when they were, like, showing, like, his, like, TV broadcasts, he was saying something, I think, like, you'll never see me. 
So I hear somebody use that phrase. It makes me think of that. Why? I don't know. It just does. So I mean, one of those things The the Thunderdome concept is fine. I don't think it's I mean, it's better. I think it's better than having fans there. I think it's safer. So it's from the NBA. It's definitely safer than having fans. I don't know that there's anything like overly special about it. I mean, no. it's like it's, it's like it's, it's like it's like okay, whatever. I'll tell you what I what it is better than though, even though this is not a direct comparison by any means. It's better than Fox on their Saturday baseball broadcasts putting in CGI fake fans. <laughs> I know it's horrible. Or, you know, so like you see like a home run get hit, you see the ball you know, sailing into the stands and it just sails into this like, you know, computer generated sea of fans where all just standing around like it looks like a video game. Like they put <laughs> video game fans in the oh, stands for the it, Fox like, broadcast. It's horrible. But it's, but it's like they're not reacting to what happened. So it's <laughs> no. and um when the when the Red Sox played the Yankees, I guess that was last weekend. Now I don't really remember already. Uh this whole month's been a blur for me for some reasons. Um but like they had like Red Sox fans in like a part of like the right field seats in Yankee Stadium where there wouldn't be any Red Sox fans. Trust me. So <laughs> uh, it just that just looks stupid. So I'll say that the Thunderdome thing because at least you know it's just people like on screens or whatever. It, it's not as distracting as the, as that like blatant just like CGI shit is. Are we well, watching gotta... MLB the show or are we watching a real baseball game? Well, I yeah. have to. I have to tell you, there was something really funny that I saw with the NBA, and that was uh, they had <clears> – I'm going to forget his name, freaking uh, Little Wayne. They had Little Wayne <laughs> CGI, CGI into a game sitting next to another fan, and he's, like, trying to get the person's attention through the whatever, I guess, app or whatever that uses to do that. Yeah. Like, to do, do a high, high five. five. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I think all Little Wayne was also, like, smoking <laughs> while he was on there. Just, like, oh, puffs sure, of smoke sure. that were showing up. I'm sure they were so. thrilled to have that on camera, though. I mean <laughs> – I think Steph, I think Steph and his dad today, I think the Currys were like on one of them, like one of the games today, like yes, virtually. Game. Oh, which speaking of the Dallas game, I saw probably one of the funniest flops ever. Um, that was because they were, of course, um, who was talking about it? It was damn it. I'm going to I can't think of his name because I don't hear him announce very often. Um, but he was talking about the fact that um, the one dude from Dallas pushed down um, the guy from the Clippers and then told him to stop flopping, you big, uh, big man. And then the dude got up in his face. Uh, yes. Oh, why can't I think of his, the guy's name? Because I think he was a big think, guy, too. Um, I just can't. Van Gundy and I think Mark Jackson were announcing the game today. Were they? It was oh, so they must. But it must have been somebody analyzing the play then from an, from one been. from one of the sports stations. I just they, somebody mentioned who it was, and I can't remember who it was though. But it was pretty funny to see, and I can't think of his name from Dallas because I don't know anybody on Dallas at this it, point in time. It, it it was today's game, right? You're talking about? Uh, no, it was. I think it was either yesterday or the day before. Okay. It would have been the day before then. There was there was an incident in today's game with the Clippers with Luca and one of the guys from the from the Clippers. So 
like Luca got the ball and there was like a I forget what happened. He turned around and he just grazed the guy from the Clippers and the guy just kind of like just fell down and like did like a like a half ass flop. It wasn't as bad, you know, it wasn't the great LeBron James flops, but you know it was close <laughs> enough. Um, and like he turned around and he started talking shit to the guy about flopping. So there was a little argument going back and forth. But I watched that game. Started watching in the fourth quarter and the OT game. That was that was a that was a fun game to watch today. I turned yeah. it off because I wanted the Clippers to win because I hate Dallas. So, well, and, and you know, uh, and that's Clippers, fine. But yeah, so- it was. But it was Luca. It was because he's got that really long name, right? Doesn't he? Like, yeah. Well, there's Porzingis too. Porzingis is the other one. Uh, Porzingis. Maybe it was Porzingis then. Because... I think Porzingis was the one that was in the other game that had yeah. issues with like the flopping. Yeah, it was but Porzingis. Because he went up for a rebound on a missed shot. The ball flew throughout, flew out of his hands, and it went into one of the Dallas guys. And he went to turn around. He turned around and like kind of put his arm out to like kind of clear his way so he wouldn't like trip over the dude and the dude just belly flopped forward like yeah took a dive forward I, and then he turns around he's like stop flopping big man and the guy gets up he's like Arr! like I, well if you got pushed down that hard you probably wouldn't get up that fast i'm thinking but <laughs> i think the eastern conference semifinals are going to be really good because i think boston toronto and miami are all really dangerous <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean they have other players showing up to play the game um, for uh, for the most part. I mean, Kemba, they swept today, right? They, they yeah. Today, they swept. Kemba had a good game today. They swept, and Toronto scored 150 points today and swept yep. New Jersey. What the hell? 150 points? It's not even a basketball game anymore? Like, what? So, Jer- Jersey has not played very well since the start, and even though they made the playoffs, their their defense is is, is horrible right now. Right. So well, see, and there's and there's a problem with the NBA. They wanted to give so many guys that so many teams a chance to be in the playoffs to make it more exciting. But was it really worth putting all those teams in if you're going to get that kind of crappy of a game, that crappy of a game with 150 points what? scored? Like that's not that 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 other team didn't even show up to play. Like they did they just have the bench players play the entire game? What the they hell? just went through the motions pretty much. You know, I that's had a, I thought New Jersey had a ton of injured guys too, though. I mean, Kyrie's not playing, of course. And neither is Durant, so they do have like two guys. Even besides that, I think like before they were ready to restart, I think I I had when I had the you know the New York radio station the fan on one day the guys who were on in the afternoon I think we're talking about how it was kind of absurd for the Nets to even be going because it was like those guys were out and then, like somebody had to sit out because of like an illness or be, I don't know if it was COVID or if it was something. I, I don't remember. I just remember hearing things about mm-hmm. where they were even saying like, they're going to be fielding like a, like almost like a, a, a think, D league, G league team. So. I think two guys were injured and one of them had to sit out because of COVID <laughs> for a while. But they were the, they were the seven. I mean, they had, they were the seven seed. So they, I mean, they made the playoffs because they were the seven seed. I mean, they were under 500, so, but that's the East most years, like teams under 500 make the postseason in the East. That's how it's been this whole last decade. Yeah, yeah. And that just tells you that they maybe need to change things and maybe make, le- I mean, I know we don't go backwards, but it might be more beneficial to the playoffs to narrow no, I, the, that, like, no, short, I, I think of they top need top eight, top six. They need to rank them. They just need to rank the teams one to sixteen, not break them up into the east and the west. I think that we're that's coming eventually, where they're just going to be one to sixteen. 
Yeah, because that was in the idea. talks. They were, they were supposed. They were they talking were about that. Yeah, using that for this playoffs. Yeah, but for some reason it went by the wayside. And they so maybe and eight. that's so they, coming. They do, need, that, they do need to do that. That's coming. The one through sixteen is coming in the next. Like depending on if we go back to normal or what the season's like. That that's supposed to be coming in the NBA. So you know what? That's that's better because I mean, even if you go back to you know the the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, there was always somewhere where there was weak teams and they shouldn't yeah. have been making the playoffs. Like, it's under, not just so, weak, like, like, you shouldn't be in the playoffs. You're just 10, that bad of a team. I think 11 teams from the West would have made it and five teams from the East if they would have done the 1-16 to 16 this year. So, yeah. And I think <laughs> I mean, that's one, fair because it makes the playoffs more enjoyable to watch because you're going to have better games. Like and that's what the playoffs should be. They should be better games. They should be tougher series for everybody, not just, you know, the the four and five and the six and seven C. You know, those teams shouldn't have the toughest. It should be tough for everybody. One thing I was kind of thinking about for a playoff format is, you know, you have the top seven teams in each conference automatically make the playoffs. And then you have the eight and nine seeds in each conference play about the three. Maybe a, a two out of three. Um, to see who gets the eight seed. And then well, once I mean, that happens, or, you know, you could do this, you could at the top seven for each one, and then you rank them from one through 14. And okay. then the other four and the other four teams, the eight and the nines from each one play to get the 15 and 16 spots. And whoever has the best record out of those two winning teams gets 15. And well, the I mean, they the did, loser gets 16. They, they did the one we, they did the playing game in the West this year. So they did that yeah. in the West this year. They just they didn't do it in the East. So, but yeah. it'd be, it'd be better if they, you know, I like that, Joe. I like that. So, something different. Well, one, one thing they're definitely not going to do is contract the size of the playoffs that you can totally forget about. That'll yeah. never yeah. happen. Well, so yeah, they're going to ex- they're going to expand it before they do it, if anything more money. Yeah, they they really shouldn't expand it though because you already no. have half the league making the playoffs. I mean, it's like okay, you got a you know a thirty team league. I think sixteen is just fine for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this year again, this year was this year, so um, but you can't really expand it more than sixteen. It's just more. It's it's also really just like if baseball is able to play a one hundred and sixty two game season next season. The playoff format that they're going to be using this year cannot be used next year because what the fuck's the point of playing 162 regular season games if you're still going to have that many teams make the playoffs? Get rid of 10 yeah. games. Yeah. They could conceivably do that, um, but they have a lot of other issues that they need to work out that we've talked about before before they yeah. do that, if you ask me. I mean, I think it's easier just for next season, assuming, again, that they that they can do that. To just go back to the playoff system we've had for the last 25 years with oh. the well, not the last 25 I, years, the last five or six years since they did the second wild card. I, yeah. I I don't like I don't like the play in the one the one off playing games. That's one thing I don't like. If you're gonna do I, it, do I'd like a two out of three. I don't I don't like the one game take it all type of thing. I agree with Joe. Big, I don't. I'm, I'm not, not a big fan of that either. I'm not a big fan. There's you know, it's like one yeah. opportunity and you can get stuck with a pitcher. You know, you got those teams have to really screw around and mess around with their 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 pitching rotation to even get, uh, you know, a good chance of winning that playing game. And it's just kind of like give them give them more of a better the teams an equal opportunity because one team is definitely going to be better off. I've already seen that before. You know, you guys have your fourth starter playing in a, a play in game and you have to like pray to God that he, he at least goes six innings for you to have a chance of winning and, and not give up too many goddamn runs. Well, yeah, so, I mean. 
the, the, Go ahead, Joe. Why I think they reason why I think they did it the way they did it when they instituted the second wild card was because there had been a bunch of wild card teams that had been able to win the World Series. I mean, just for reference sake, Florida Marlins, well, now Miami Marlins have two World Series championships and zero National League East division championships. So I yeah. think what it was, was I, I think it was not necessarily trying to say punish the wild card teams by making them play a one game playoff. But putting more of an incentive, of course, on winning the division. I think that's what they were really trying to do with mm-hmm. game playoff. I'm not the biggest fan of it, too. Uh, I mean, the Yankees have been on the losing end of it one time. So, obviously, I didn't like it then. Didn't really have any problems with it the other two times. They won it. Uh, but, you know, that's, again, I think what they did. They were really trying to say, hey, win your division, you know. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing that we I think we could probably all agree on as – the leagues have expanded, which is always nice because more cities get a team. There's more, you know, money going around as far as the league goes, which is always great for the, you know, stations and the owners and everything like that. The problem is, is that as you add more teams, you get less and less good players on a single team. And free agency, of course, does not help that. But, I mean, you look at basketball – as basketball's expanded, you have some really garbage teams out there because they can't as good as some of the college players are and uh, AJ knows this probably better than any of us. College players don't always do not always equate to a good NBA player. Like no, especially when it, they go out after a year and they're not ready. You know, so the league in the NBA is probably the worst, is probably the best example. The league in the NBA is so watered down because there is such little talent out there as far as to be able to build a team around. Like, not every team has a superstar. Some teams have, like, no superstars, and they're just, you know, they got five players and, and maybe a, a sixth on the bench that can play, but they're not really, they're not superstars. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're like, yeah. oh, we're rebuilding again. Well, you've been rebuilding for the last 10 years. That's not, that's not rebuilding. That's like floating, <laughs> almost drowning as far as a team. I think goes. the, I think the Hornets probably are the best example of that in the NBA right now. Would you agree, Joe? <laughs> yeah, for the most part, there's other teams too, but yeah. Yeah. They don't really have a they don't really have like Atlanta has Trey Young though. Like I, I think that the Hornets don't have like that one like standout player right now. Like that you can say, Not okay, really. at least they have him. I think all the other teams at least have one guy. I think Charlotte's the team that doesn't really have that one household name superstar on their team. And well, exactly. they did, but he went to Boston. Yes. And it's <laughs> they and did, it's you're right. And it's sad because when Charlotte when when I was actually paying attention to basketball, you know, really paying attention and watching it, the Charlotte Hornets had Larry Johnson. They had Muggsy Bogues and, like, and, and Alonzo Mourning. And Alonzo yep. Mourning at one point in time, yeah. So they had a really good team. But uh, if I remember correctly, didn't they they their franchise went away and became the New Orleans Pelicans or something like that? And then they came back to Charlotte or some shit like that. I, I know they went away yeah. for a while and came back. I just don't remember where they went to and then came back. Again. Yeah, they left Charlotte, went to New Orleans, the yeah. Hornets, and then they renamed it the Pelicans, and then Charlotte got their franchise back a couple years later or something like that. Okay, so I was right with that, just didn't have they the were, name crossed off called, yet. They were called the Bobcats at first, and then they... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. The Hornets. Yeah. All right. So, got a little story for you. So oh, this boy. story is... I'm going to give you the, the phrase like this. 
fireworks are dangerous people. <laughs> so, um, my brother-in-law, uh, wanted to set off some fireworks for the kids over this weekend while we were up there visiting. Uh, and cause normally we do our annual camping trip because, but because everything's closed down of COVID and everything like that, as we know, we just kind of did it at their house for like a day, two days t- technically. And so the other day was firework day and, uh, he got out one of these, uh, I think it was called the lion King is what it was called, which is kind of like those mis little missile ones that shoot off. And, okay. uh, yeah, let's just say that did not go so well. Um, it fell over and started shooting um, <laughs> after it had already been lit. Of course, it you know he lit it, started shooting, it fell over, and then it started shooting everywhere. Um, he got grazed uh, twice, once in it near his ear and then once near on his foot and um, scared the crap out of my uh, 10-year-old nephew because he was right there with his dad because he's like, oh, my dad, you know, you, most kids think, you know, hang around my dad. It's safe. No problem. Yeah. Um, which normally that is you know, factual for him and except for this firework incident. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, luckily there was a golf cart. They don't have a golf cart for, you know, when they go camping because they do a lot of camping to drive around the campgrounds. Um, luckily, they hid behind the golf cart and were saved by the <laughs> golf cart because the golf cart took a hit and blew two holes in the seats. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so that's what got the Poor brunt of the damage cart. was the golf cart. So that, that that's good. I'm glad it was a golf cart and not any kids, but it definitely scared the crap out of my nephew because he came back and his, he's, I don't want to say he's sensitive to noises, but really loud stuff like that. It really hurts his ears really bad. And being so close to it going off like that, he was like, it, it had him freaked out for a little while, but, uh, Luckily, nobody was actually badly injured, just a couple scrapes on my brother-in-law um, in that. And, of course, the first thing out of his mouth is, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to go diving because he does scuba diving. <laughs> He's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it, go diving because he can't. I guess you're not supposed to have open wounds when you go uh, scuba oh, diving. Yeah. yeah, you're really not supposed to. So, but uh, luckily, he, he healed over enough that he could go diving on Sunday. So, you know, he was okay. <laughs> But yes, the moral of the story is uh, fireworks are fucking dangerous, people. Um, <laughs> leave those to the trained professionals. It's um, funny how like, he didn't give a shit about his ear. His ear kind of came <laughs> off like Nick Foley. He's like, damn it, I can't go scuba diving. Son. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, he was thankful that none of the kids got hurt, but then it was like, I wanted to go scuba diving on Sunday. <laughs> well, other than that, how did you like to play Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> It was, oh, it was fantastic. The scary, the scary part for me was watching my uh, son and his best friend, which is his cousin, my niece, sitting there watching this, and like the shit's like flying over top of their heads. I was like, "Good God, what the <laughs> like, holy shit!" And hearing my sister in law go, "Move, get out of the way, move back, get out of the way," I'm like, "Oh my God, like what the hell is going on here?" Fireworks yeah. extravaganza, yeah. live and up close and personal. <laughs> I, I am very much a, I don't want to say anti-firework person, but yeah, it might as well be that. We'll put it this way. If, yeah, like like you said, if it's like a professional thing, you know, if it's like some kind of professional fireworks um, demonstration or whatever you want, whatever <laughs> word you want to use, you know, fine, great. Okay. Uh, when it's everybody who just decides, ah, I'm going to buy some fireworks and set off some... Blah, blah, blah. God, I... It's fun. I don't, 
mind if I hear people like that blew their hands off. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, you know, you play with fire. Go ahead, say it, Pat. Go ahead, Darth Pat, say it. If you play with fire, you what? You're going to turn into Darth Vader. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nice. All right. And with that, I think we should get started with our podcast. What do you think, Theo? Uh, Let's get started with this topic. All right. Go ahead. What are we talking about today, Theo? We are talking about... God damn you. Why are you interrupting me? (laughs) Because it's fun. (laughs) <laughs> because I can. That's it. Where's my new button? Sharp. Remove from call. Oh, I can remove him from the call too. Oh, this is sweet. The ratings would just go downhill. I'll find an alternative. <laughs> we are talking about the wrestling goat this evening. So we'll see where this leads to. Because it should be fun. Because we have very opinionated people on this panel. That we Especially do. two of them. <laughs> and on my screen, they're in the top two corners of the screen. Right, Darth Pat? And right, uh, AJ. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll see how I, this goes. I, I'm opinionated? Oh, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Feel proud. So... Talking about the wrestling GOAT, so the greatest of all time. So we're going to start off, we have three things we're going to talk about, but first we're going to start off with GOAT criteria. Now before we get into that, of course, we must stop for a public service announcement, and that would be thank you everybody that is tuning in, no matter where you're catching this, whether it be YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. We do appreciate you guys tuning in and making sure uh, that you are, well, I don't want to say making sure, but we just want to thank you for tuning in because we do greatly appreciate it. You know, we're right here for you guys each and every week, and we hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, If you are catching us on YouTube, though, please make sure you're giving us a big thumbs up. Give us the big thumbs up. Make sure you're setting those notifications as well as subscribing to our channel. Leave us a comment because we'd like to know what you think. Maybe you think Darth Pat is a hunka, monka, chunka, baby love, you know? <laughs> and uh, maybe you think uh, good old AJ should stop wearing them fucking ugly-ass headbands that he's got on. I don't know. But either way... <laughs> But either way, we would like to know what you guys are thinking, even if you think that uh, I should maybe stop wearing hats um, because maybe they make me look bad. I don't know. But anyways, leave us a comment. If you're catching us on iTunes, Twitch, not Twitch, holy shit, wrong thing. Uh, If you're catching us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, make sure you're giving uh, us a rating so we can climb up there and get caught by more people just like yourself and get entertained. Um, Also, catch us on Twitter at... Four, the number four guys with a Z round table uh, where you can catch some of our updates and things that are going on. And also stay tuned until the very end to catch the Mount Rushmore based on the goat of wrestling Did I get everything AJ this time. Okay, You're good. good. <laughs> Make sure I didn't miss anything. That was All a right. couple. That was a couple podcasts ago where you missed Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. So. Girl criteria. Darth Pat. Give us yeah. 
one thing that you feel should be in the criteria for the GOAT of wrestling, the greatest of all time. Go over five minutes, I'm muting you. <laughs> one thing. Well, one thing. Mm, I think that wrestling is, always has been, and to an extent always will be, a promotional game. Okay. So you really have to be able to talk to people into the building, as they always used to say, and probably still do. So I think you got to be able to communicate. You know, you got to be able to cut the promo one way or the other. It doesn't really matter how you do it or how you're successful at it. So long as you can make some kind of a connection with the audience at large, that's either going to get them to want to show up to cheer you on, to, you know, vanquish the bad guy, you know, or the way that's going to make you want to see them, uh, you know, the, the way that's going to make the audience want to see you get shit kicked out of you. Um, so I think that's really what it takes. And I would say the best people are the people who are able to do both of those. Like that they can, you know, they could, they could be baby face or they could be healed. Um, I think that there's people who can only play one side. Yeah. They're just, you know, maybe they're not quite as good now. Maybe it's because they just have a gimmick that you could never root for. Uh, there's some people you can think of who are like that you know the old like foreign menace heels basically um but i also think if there's somebody who can like really only ever be a face i think that that kind of lowers it a little bit too because i really Mm -hmm. think you should be able to kind of do it both ways and but there's precious few people i think you could ever think of who were like exclusively faces in their career the only two i can really kind of think of are like uh, ricky steamboat and tito santana they're like the only two guys i can never remember ever being a heel um Uh, yeah i agree i guess maybe you could also throw ultimate warrior in there too but that's also one yeah (laughs) that could be a manner of speaking but also like if you ever caught him in like you know pre-wwf like when he was in uh briefly in world class or mid south you know he was he was definitely a heel but he wasn't quite the ultimate warrior yet either when so. he was the dingo warrior yeah you know or when he was one of the blade yeah. runners when he was still with tagged. sting yeah. yeah so you know you could you could kind of throw that caveat in there and everything but i just really think that you have to be able to you have to be able to connect because i mean work rate's great and everything like that but i still don't even think to this day people buy tickets, watch the TV shows, you know, pay for merchandise because of the person's in-ring work. I think it has more to do with the way that they connect first. So True. I disagree uh, with that. So. Oh, you disagree? Okay, well, since you disagree, um, with that point, I watch. Me- I watch wrestling because... too long. <laughs> I watch wrestling because of the in-ring stuff. Like, that's the most important thing to me, like, hands down. Like, there's, okay. like, no, there's nothing else that's even close to being as important as that is for me. All right. So, so like, let, I watch it for that. So, let me interject, okay? So, do, let me ask you this real quick, AJ. Do you agree that mic skills are important, though, to they be are. a go? Okay. So, you agree with that point, just not with, they got to you know, you got to have the mic skills to be able to get you into the building to be able to watch and people, more people watch for mic skills than they do for wrestling. So go ahead, yeah. go ahead with your point. And, uh, you, you, this, I guess this will be your point on what it makes is. somebody to go. Okay. Go yeah. ahead. Go. It, I mean, I, it's the in ring stuff. Like that's the most important thing to me. So if I was waiting, if I was waiting this, that'd be like half. 
okay of 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 it for me so like at least half the other whatever the other whatever the other things the mic skills and all that other stuff those are going to be like 15 percent maybe each of those whatever other categories if we break it down into five then there would be those other ones would all be like 15 percent each or 12 percent or whatever so it's it's by far the in-ring stuff that matters the most to me and it's it's pretty much always been that way so okay why what what makes the in-ring stuff so important though to you because that's what the wrestling ultimately is about it's athleticism and, and that's what you're there to do so i don't go to a basketball game to watch somebody talk shit to the other person on the court i go to the basketball <laughs> game to watch them play the game right so wrestling ultimately comes down to the guys performing in the ring that's what that's what it revolves around so okay everything Uh, else is just a byproduct of that to me so there's just one one problem there uh the basketball game is not predetermined you're right (laughs) it still doesn't change it still doesn't change the fact that you're going that that's that's what wrestling it revolves around is the athleticism and what the guys are doing in the ring that's that's mostly what you're seeing is that so you're seeing a promo here and there but you're still predominantly 15 years ago predominantly you were seeing wrestling now it, it has changed to where sometimes mm-hmm. we do get more promos than the in-ring product so okay so gonna kick it to you theo so we got mike skills do you agree with that say uh definite yeah. criteria for goat yes okay and how about the in ring do you agree with that too i'm sorry what was that speak up sir <laughs> yes <laughs> okay so what would be something else that you believe uh would be a criteria for a goat when it comes um, to wrestling um your your look and your uh, your gimmick your gimmick has to be part of it and part of your gimmick is is selling to to the fan base so not just you know having a good look but selling it to the crowd to the fan base because of the ones who are ultimately going to determine how well you're going to do to a certain extent um as far as <clears throat> the in-ring ability yeah that's important as well but the biggest thing i want to see out of your in-ring ability is how you story tell if you can flip and do a canadian destroyer off the top rope that's just an added bonus for me if you could do crazy <laughs> shit, you know like a lot of guys can do these days that's just added bonus but besides doing all the crazy stuff, I want to see you actually tell a story in the ring with other other moves, other other things going on. You know, for example, so NXT TakeOver, you know, Keith Lee face Cross, right? So there was a, several rest holds in there. But it's like, when you watch rest holds now, like by a lot of the big guys, it doesn't seem like they're really selling it. It's like, you know, you see like they're <laughs> grunting. And like they're not they're like not really selling it. Like if you watch a lot of 80s wrestling and like early 90s and I'll say the whole 90s, 80s and 90s, when you're like you, you see guys having long matches or even the big guys, they have a rest hold. They're actually being uh, they're selling it. They're telling more of a story with the rest holds. It like doesn't it, just seem like it's a rest hold back yes. that now yeah. it does. Yes. Like now it's just kind of like, oh, whew, catch my breath. <laughs> All right. Uh, keep that. Keep that headlock on. <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna squint my eyes and make it look like it's it's it fucking hurts. No, man, you you're not, you're not selling it. You know, you want to take a rest, but you know you're not selling it. Um, so that that's 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 part of it. Because to be honest with you, like I I agree that your aim ring product's part of it. But honestly, if you look at a lot of the guys now, um, 
everything scripted. So you're not for someone to fail on the mic, you know, it's <laughs> really going to be on that wrestler. They just fuck up their script or whatever the case may be. But <laughs> if you can't cut a promo these days too, your in-ring wrestling ability is not going to matter as much as with the rest of your rest of your gimmick. You have a great gimmick. You could be an awesome wrestler in the ring, which there's a lot of guys who are, but there's people who can't really do shit on the mic or they're very average. So it hurts them from getting from here to the mid card up to the upper echelon and being more of a primetime person um, and being in that main card more consistently than what they are. Example, Shinsuke. I yep. understand. He's from That's Japan. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> so so the Japanese wrestlers already have a, a disadvantage, but, you know, they you know we've seen japanese wrestlers hold the world titles before and stuff and you know it all depends on how they take that disadvantage and work it to their advantage and how they go about doing that so mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things but yes that's 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 part of my criteria as well nakamura has more charisma than most of the japanese wrestlers i think i've ever seen that's the thing that separates him he has a, a boatloads of charisma <laughs> so yeah he's just he's just He's a different, unique type of yes. Japanese guy. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and all those points that you guys have made as far as, you know, being able to talk on the mic, being able to perform in the ring, uh, your gimmick, those, I, I agree with all those points. And I don't think there's anything you really need to add to that. I think those are the three best criterias to have for a goat in wrestling because those are the three things that are going to make you a top notch wrestler in any doesn't matter where you go uh tna uh ring of honor aew wwe if you can have all three of those things which not a lot of guys do have at least not right now in wrestling i mean we've seen it over the past years past decades but right now it doesn't seem like a lot of guys have those three elements to be able to pull from and say okay this guy is an upper echelon type guy in wrestling there's a couple here and there and i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll talk about those guys in a little bit but um i can't think of anything else to add to that darth pat you got anything you would add to those three things that you think is important and when we're talking about the goat not really i mean i know brett hart's given a shoot interview where he said that in his view it's like it's based on three things like you know it's like your promo your work and your look yeah uh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just so you, for anybody out there who hasn't seen it, he basically, like, he was giving the examples. He was contrasting himself with Hulk Hogan. He rated Hogan, like, a 10 out of a 10 for his look, a 10 out of a 10 for his promo, and I think a 1 out of a 10 for his word. I'd agree, I'd, I'd agree with, I would, I would go with the 1. I would go with the 1 on that also. I disagree. Well, it's, it's, it was I, I, I disagree with that just because it's more yeah. than just the actual, like, in-ring work. No, it's no, it's it's the psychology aspect too. It's the ability to play to the crowd and hold the crowd in your palm of your hand. And Hogan was one of the best at doing that. Storytelling too. Yeah, Brett then rated himself as like, uh, you know, I think he said either it was a nine or a ten out of a ten for his work, yep. but he only rated himself like only like a six on his look, and, and, and only like on a three, three like a three or a four for his promo. Which promo. I think if you added those numbers up, Hogan actually came out slightly on top, which is quite fun. By one point. <laughs> yeah, but, but even so. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, yeah, look is important. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. like, you know, you, I think it just this is not a fair comparison in so many ways, but 
I think generally speaking, you'd you'd rather be looking at a guy like Hulk Hogan than at a guy like uh, Marco Stunt. Just, I mean. I don't even know who that guy is. That tells well, me how one, well good he was. One looks like a wrestler. One looks like he's a 12-year-old kid who shouldn't be allowed past the barricade. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. So uh, I, I think those are really those are really like the only factors because those are those those are what you have, you basically have to build on. And if you don't if you don't have those things, you're you're just not getting anywhere. All right. So and, and just kind of take your point just a little bit because I've seen some some wrestlers from way back like in the late 70s early 80s like I think it was Playboy Bobby um what the heck um Playboy Buddy Rose Yeah, Playboy Buddy Rose. Thank oh, you, one. Darth Pat. Like that dude, I'm sorry. He might have been able to sell like like all hell in the ring. He might have had a good gimmick, but he did not look the part of a wrestler. And I know his whole thing was kind of a play on actually his body type. I, at least I hope it was, because if he really thought he was sexy, that's kind of freaking gross. Because he was not sexy. Was not. I don't know what. I'm sure there were some ladies that thought he was sexy, but uh, if you go back and if anybody wants to Google this, um, he was not a very. He was definitely not in shape by any means. Um, but you know, that's just right there. That's your look. Doesn't it didn't doesn't lead to a top tier guy because he didn't have the uh, the look of a really good wrestler of somebody that could perform in the ring. So even if he could, and he had really good mic skills, it, that third part kind of makes it maybe hard to watch or hard to believe in the character that he's actually portraying, you know, on, in the ring. So, well, what I know of, of playboy buddy Rose is that he was kind of like a mainstay up in the Portland territory, uh, the Pacific Northwest wrestling, which is where Roddy Piper came out of. And he was like a lot thinner at the time, and he just kind of ballooned as the years went on. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, when he, like, if you see footage of him from, you know, WWF from like the late 80s, they were doing that whole like blow away diet thing where it's like he was like, he's like sitting in front of like this huge fan and pouring this like what looks like freaking baby powder on him. And like it was supposed to blow away the, the fat or something. <laughs> so obviously by then, by then they were using it in, in a parodic manner. But to what you say um, is is also, of course, very true. But it's also, I think, it, it just also shows how times change. Like if you go back to like in late '80s, early '90s WWF, you see so many kind of like like big burly guys who were either like fat or had, you know, I guess we could almost call like like maybe like beer belly kind of guys. And there's so many guys you can throw into that category, whether it's like Greg Valentine or Ron Bass or you know the Honky Tonk Man to an extent. And then Damn you man. got your guys like. Kamala and One Man Gang and King Kong Bundy and the Big Boss Man and Earthquake and Typhoon and um, like and generally speaking, those guys probably wouldn't be able to cut it in today's WWE. I mean, there are some guys who are similar to them now, like you know, the Heavy Machinery guys, and I guess Keith Lee could, could fit into that description as well. Um, <laughs> but they're they're much more the exception than than the rule anymore. So it just yeah, just goes to show, it just goes to show how how times have changed and you know, like just like how like people's what, what people think of as being a pro wrestler when they look at them has just evolved over time. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we got our criteria. We got, got to be able to talk to the mic. You definitely got to be able to work in the ring and you got to have the look and gimmick that goes along with those two other things. All right. So let's talk about some of the greats of wrestling. So, um, greats of wrestling. I mean, there's so many guys that we could throw out that were, uh, just great overall. I mean, go back to, I mean, 
maybe you guys won't agree with me, but I think Warrior is one of, though his career was relatively short as far as the Warrior portion goes, he was great to watch in the ring. Like, his promos were crazy, but he was fun to watch in the ring. I thought his character was believable as far as the crazy, like, super strong guy. I don't know. I throw him in as one of the greats in the ring. You know, I know you guys may not agree with that, but yeah, I, I, but I don't. I have to. <laughs> uh, he was just one of my favorite people to watch as a kid. You know, growing up watching it, I loved watching the Warrior. That part of it, I'll you know. say, I'll agree with. I liked watching <laughs> him, but I don't. He wouldn't. I don't even know if he'd be sniffing my top twenty. I mean, he had the. He was a guy who absolutely had the look and the gimmick. In regards to that, his in-ring ability was very, even for Suspect. all the years, he, you know, his 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 best matches were against Macho Man and, like, Rick Rude, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, he was still very green for even being in the lead, in, in WWF for multiple years. You can still tell that he wasn't, he just wanted to do a certain thing and be done. Mm-hmm. And if he liked you, he would start doing other stuff to, like, make the match better. His promos, I don't even know where to rank his promos. Just, <laughs> just fucking like outer space type of shit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's three one of or those, four, three or four, maybe. <laughs> he's, promo. he's one of those guys who who had the look and had the really cool gimmick that everyone can buy into. But all the other stuff is kind of very. He was lacking, lacking a lot. And, and, and I value he's my, guys, but he so. he was my favorite wrestler as a kid though. So like I I liked him. I I couldn't wait to root for somebody other than Hogan. So I was ecstatic when <laughs> Ultimate Warrior came along. So like, sweet, I don't have to root for Hogan anymore. Yes, and uh, the music not, too was cool. Yeah. yeah, one of one of my other uh, childhood with this one, I think you guys would more agree on with the, as one of the greats of wrestling is definitely the Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage. Ooh, That's yeah. more definitely sure. more. More, more your like. He's there. more, he's more in that. He's definitely in that discussion for sure. Like he's definitely one of those guys that's borderline, like arguably top ten type guy. Now I know I'm kind of age, you know, kind of dating, you know, where I'm going with this, but and Macho Man was, you know, he could talk. I mean, some of his, he didn't have like a, tons of great promos, but he had some pretty good promos, and all his promos, you can at least listen to him and not be like bored or be like, oh my god, shut up, dude, like, because to talk because he kept you interested even if it wasn't like a crazy outland, you know, crazy great promo. And he, uh, and he, he had the, he had enough, he had a good look and he had a good entrance for sure. Hell yeah, and his look got, I think his look, um, got better the longer he was in WWE. Like, I feel like his look went from just wearing the bandana um, and coming down the ring with Miss Elizabeth to now he has the bandana. Now he's got the crazy cape that he's got that's all sp- bedazzled and stuff like that. Got, I, well, sequence, I guess it was, was, was would be because it was more – it was sequence, and not bedazzled. Down, <laughs> coming out with sensational Sherry, you know, when yeah. he was a heel, you know, that's that, – that was – he was able to evolve his gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. And then and he, eventually, his character. He, he was a really cool good wrestler too. Hats. He had really cool cowboy hats eventually towards the end of his <laughs> yes. career. Um, you know, with the cool the big old like sunglasses and stuff like that. Like his character just was really, really cool. Um and you're right, AJ, he he was a hell of a work in the in the freaking ring. Like that guy that guy, he's still to this day. And if anybody ever wants to argue with me on this, it, you guys or anybody that's watching this wants to argue with me, he has the best 
freaking elbow drop from the top rope that I've ever seen. Like the dude lay out like flat, like he didn't come down like on his it's like side and then like, he landed completely flat on his side. Like the, everybody tries to mimic him. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And so to say that since the eighties, uh, nobody's done it better. is kind of crazy. Yeah. Velveteen's the closest I've seen. I would say Velveteen's the closest I've seen to being similar to Savage, but he's not there, but he's probably the closest I've seen. Yeah. I would agree with that. I'd agree with that, Velveteen. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into the I'm gonna give you guys one more, and then I'll let uh, I think I'll let Darth Pack go. Um, and that would be from more of the modern age. Um, I would have to go really with Triple H is probably one is one of those guys that's greats of the ring, just because he's been able to take. I mean, you think about where he started when he came into WWE and um, the first gimmick I remember, and this might be his very first gimmick in WWE, was Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the aristocrat, you know, with the hand behind his back. And And he curtsied. He curtsied. (laughs) I'm so much better than you. And, you know, and then evolved his character after he got in trouble um, to Triple H being part of DX. Um to the game, um, King of Kings, you know, he just kept on kind of just little here, little there, you know, that he got better and better. His mic skills, I would definitely say got better over time. Yeah. Um, Longevity wise for him too. He, he's, he's like been able to wrestle Mm -hmm. still from time to time. Like he can still, I mean, we, we saw him when we went to WrestleMania. He can still wrestle. Like, I don't want to see him every week, but he can still go if he has to, and he's still willing to do it. So it's not like Undertaker where we're like, okay, Undertaker, we think it's time for you to hang it up. Like, you don't have to even come back once a year. Like, we appreciate what you've done. You've had a great career. Triple H, it's like, for me with Triple H now, it's more like, okay, we know who you are. We know that you can still wrestle, but you're the back, you know, you're you're one of the, you know, the, the, the suits now, you, you, it's all right to be a suit. Like you don't have to come back and impress us. Like we know what you can do. Like we know you yeah. still got it there, big man, you know? So, but just as far as watching him over the years and what he's been able to do and continue to do, continue to evolve, um, you know, granted, we got a little sick of him when he was coming out every Monday night and giving us a 20, mo- 20 minute promo to start off every freaking Monday night raw. It was like, Oh my yes. God, dude, like, shut up. We don't need to see you every week, every, you know, the beginning of every show. Like, shut up already. And let but, then, the mic. but then everybody hated him, and that's what they wanted. Very true. So, uh, so that would definitely be one of one other of my greats. I just wanted you, to throw a couple out there. You never saw pictures of him when he was terrorizing, Jeremy? No, I never saw terrorizing. <laughs> but, that, but I'm pretty sure that was W. But that was WCW. It was. It was. It was. So, <laughs> So I was going on his WWE career. I'm I just joking. Him, like, I'm just joking around because that was his first gimmick. Yeah. No, I heard about the terrorizing and I heard it was pretty terrible. It was, it was horrible. As, it was as good as GI bro. It was horrible. So they, 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 they basically were trying to make him look like the second coming of Lex Luger. Really. 
Yeah, because yeah, Lex Luger was. Yeah, such they a, were. So there, one that would not be on my grades would be Lex Luger. Also. Because uh, he, I don't think he could wrestle very well. I don't think he was a great wrestler. I don't think he was a great Mike Skulls guy. He had a great look. Overrated the, for sure. That the guy. Gimmick that went along with his look was pretty shitty. So. Um, we may all agree on that, that we think Lex Luger's a tad bit overrated, and we may all four agree on that. The biggest problem with Lex Luger is that he was just a natural heel, and they tried to make him into a babyface so many times. And right. I want to say that outside of, I think, like the time where he was on his first babyface run after he got kicked out of the Horsemen, and then in like the first year of opposing the NWO, I don't think that the audience ever fully got behind Luger as a face. I mean, we know they didn't get fully behind Luger as a face when, you know, Vince tried to turn him into Hulk Hogan 2.0. Back and in slam Yokozuna. Yeah, like like the fans never really could just just never got fully behind <laughs> him. Then, so. Very bad. Shit. He, he got chance after chance after chance after chance, and he could never like crack that like top 10 or top 20, whatever. He just, he never, he got so many opportunities. He could never just get over that hump. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, I think, yeah, well, he got the chance because of his luck, but I also think that maybe one of the reasons why he never really got over that hump is because there was always somebody else. Like when he was a face in WCW, there was dusty or there was Sting or there was, you know, somebody else. And when he was a, there in WWF, you know, of course the, I think, you know, the, the, ended up being that resentment about that they were pushing him instead of Brett. So I think, cause I think the audience had gotten behind Brett at that point. So, yeah. All right. So Darth Pat, give us one, two, maybe three of your, what you would consider greats of the wrestling world. Okay. Well, one guy, I, I kind of mentioned him already. Uh, Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. I mentioned him because there's, you go back and watch your Ricky Steamboat match really from any point in his career, uh, there's really nothing you can really find to fault. I mean, he was, he was fundamentally sound. He could move, he could fly, uh, you know, he could, he could hit you with power moves. So he was, he was pretty versatile. And um, one of the things too, is that he's not big, you know, I, I don't mm -hmm. think Steamboat is six feet tall, but they did a smart thing with him too. in that, whenever they were matching him up with somebody, they never really ever had him in there with somebody who made him look small, no matter like who he was really wrestling. So that, that helped. And of course he had great feuds with, you know, whether it was Jake Roberts or Rick Rude or Randy Savage, or obviously Rick Blair, uh, you know, he had, he had really good feuds with all of those guys. Like I said, he wasn't the greatest promo, um, you know, but like I said, he, he was great work rate, great look. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also kind of mentioned before, he never really worked heel that I know of. So it's a little bit of a detriment against him. But at the same time, can you ever try to, can you ever try imagining booing Ricky Steamboat? I just, I can't. His, so his, his biggest drawback ultimately was just that he, he wouldn't, he never wanted to completely commit. He, his family came first and he, he just never, he never, yeah. he didn't wrestle for long enough. That's my only, and it's not his fault. It's just what it's, it's life. Like he wanted mm -hmm. to, his family was more important to him. So his biggest drawback is that he, his career was shorter and he wasn't always around. He, he would come, you know, beat Ric Flair and then lose the belt and disappear. Like he had stints, yeah. like 
random yeah, stints, I mean, coming back for like a year, going away, coming back for a year. It's, he it's, was really, yeah. really good, though. It's interesting because, yeah, he works the first Starcade and then he also worked the first WrestleMania. So, like, he goes from Crockett to WWF in that time span. He has a fairly decent long run with WWF, but after he wins the Intercontinental Bell and they supposedly had ideas of making him like a long term Intercontinental Champion, he has a kid. Yeah, I I just had a kid. Can I have a month or two off? What? (laughs) That's it. I'm going to make you lose to the honky tonk. <laughs> right. After, after one of the best matches of all time. Yeah. With Savage. And so, and so he, he, he comes back, he loses the belt. He comes back for a few months. Then he leaves. He goes to back to Crockett. He has those great matches with flair in 89. Then he moves into yeah. a feud with Luger. And after like one or two matches with Luger, he disappears again. He shows back up in WWF with the dragon gimmick in 91. I remember he, that. He only He's only there for a few months because he supposedly, again, didn't like the direction. And I guess supposedly he wanted to turn heel. <laughs> and and, and they, were, they were like, no. And so he's like, he leaves again. He shows back up in WCW uh, like in 92. And then by like 94, it's like I think when he suffered the back injury that pretty much ended his career. Uh, so like he, he had like some tag title runs in there that were good. He had a really good Iron Man match with Rick Rude, too, I think. Yeah, he had good matches with Rick Rude. He had good matches with Steve Austin. He had a couple more good matches with Flair, and then it was like, boom, he was done. Um, So that's that's, his biggest drawback is is the the longevity. Yeah, and well, the interesting thing, too, is I think both he and Flair have said some of their best stuff was back back in the 70s that there's no videotape of. It's like, Damn, I wonder what it was like then when you think, especially if you think about their 89 matches. It's like, if they're saying that their matches in the 70s were better than those matches, my God, what did we miss? <laughs> I mean, when, when Ric Flair did his Hall of Fame speech, he said Steamboat was the best guy he wrestled against. I mean, when Ric Flair is up on his Hall of Fame speech saying, this guy is the best guy I was ever in the ring with, that's like, you know... The, you know, one of the all-time greats saying this is the best guy I've ever been in the ring with. So that probably said a lot for Steamboat. And then Steamboat came back in his 50s and wrestled at WrestleMania and put on a show. And he's one of the few guys when the fans were chanting, you still got it. He deserved it. Like, he legitimately deserves that chant. They say that for everybody. Steamboat put on a show yeah, for a guy in his 50s. Yeah. I mean, so it was... That was that was that was cool to see that, and it was also obviously cool for Chris Jericho to to really kind of help out yes. with that, really make mm-hmm. to make it look like it meant something and everything. So yeah, uh, so that, that that that's what was cool about that. So so you know, always had a lot of love for for Steamboat. Again, just kind of wish he had been there more often, wherever there was. You know, yeah, it would have been interesting to see what his career turned into had he maybe been around longer. Let's oh they did turn him heel okay let's see how this goes you know it would have been interesting to see those things but like AJ or, said he was very big on family which I can't fault him for I mean shit yeah. I my family has always come first in my world you know no matter what's going on so you know, yeah, I'm right there with him the the slightly ironic thing about family coming first for him of course is that his wife divorced them <laughs> pretty pretty high profile and then also like won the rights to his name. Yes, I know. Yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, like that's, that's just that's, insane. It's 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 it's, I, it's ironic, I guess. You know, and that he like he always had the whole thing about his family <laughs> came first, 
And then his, his wife kind of... She screwed him, but really. His wife literally took his name. <laughs> so, um, Crazy. But, but again, you talk about, like, you know, what would he have turned heel? Well, what would, he, what would have happened if he had just stayed and he had a long run with the Intercontinental title? Whenever Vince decided to take it off of him, might Vince have thought, well, I can put the belt on him. You know, who knows? Maybe he would have been world champion in WWF, and that would have been a whole different thing. So... Yeah, again, it's a, it's a great what if, but what's another one, Darth Pat? Uh, another one. I just kind of mentioned him from the same era. Uh, I don't think a lot of people ever really think of him as being like one of the all time greats, but to me, in a lot of ways, he is, and that's Jake the Snake Roberts. Now, Jake, it's much more about the promo, the psychology, than necessarily the work. Like, I don't think you'd ever really say that Jake Roberts was necessarily the greatest technician or anything like that. But he no, had he was the master. Story. He was the master of psychology, both on the mic and in the ring, because the way he moved, the way he worked, guys, it was, you know, very much of a particular way and that it was all about setup. And of course, he had the finisher that literally everybody wanted to see all the time. And it was <laughs> it's ironic because he he said he said that the move was more or less created by pure accident, the DDT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, he was putting a guy in a front face lock and they tripped over each other's feet. And so like, they landed with him falling backwards and the other guy falling with his head hitting the mat. And he said the guy he was in the ring with was smart enough to just sell it. And because everybody went like, oh, you know. And now that's a, that's a that's a that's just a normal move in a match now. <laughs> right. Yeah, which is which always kind of bothers me. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, but. He, he moved in a very particular way. And again, he was somebody who was great both as a face and a heel. There, there's great promos you can see him cut as both a face and a heel. Like the promo he cut before his WrestleMania six match with Ted DiBiase is outstanding because he's, he's the face, but he's cutting it in such a cold, calculating manner where he's talking about how after the match, DiBiase will be the one like wallowing in his own, you know, failure and, you know, being the one that's, you know, destroyed because he hasn't been able to live up to his wealth and all this. So it's a great promo. And then obviously when uh, he turned heel in 1991, the whole stuff of the ultimate warrior, but those promos were fantastic. Like that, that whole set of like vignettes and everything that led to it. And then, you know, of course it leads to the whole thing where after warrior gets bitten by the snake, <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, yeah, reach for me. I'm a snake. Never trust a snake, you know? So it's just the way he did it to me. Jake Roberts always held me in the palm of his hand. So. I mean, thank God she was a Bible thumper. We would never got Austin three sixteen too. So, yeah. See, that's an ironic part. Is like I wasn't watching WWF in nineteen ninety six when he came back and he did that. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems like it was a bit forced. I totally understood why they were doing it, but it, it really does feel like it's it's a reinvention of the character and not necessarily a way that the character needed to be reinvented. I don't know. No, I just, I'm just thankful that that was the gimmick he did. And he cut the promo. I mean, I don't know who's, if it was his decision to use the Bible quote, but I mean, it worked out clearly. Yeah. It's just, I still want to know. I, I can't remember if we've discussed this before, whether or not that line was scripted or not. But you know, I kind of always hope that it wasn't because it just shows that Austin. No, was great. supposedly but, a, everything I've read said that that was a fly on the fly. He cut that promo on the fly. He didn't even know what yeah. he was going to say until he was out there. Everything I've read makes it sound like Austin. 
kind of came up with that. Oh, 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 Austin with the 316? Yes. Well, yeah, yeah because he uh, – so, Well, like, spur of the moment, you know. Yeah, well, that's yeah, everything I've read makes it sound like it was spur of the moment. I've not read anything otherwise, so. Well, yeah, and he said in his podcast multiple times that when he was told the promo that Jake the Snake cut that day on him, like right before he was supposed to do his, and that's when he came up with the Austin 316 part. So he didn't even know until somebody told him what Jake the Snake said. And then he came up with that on the fly about the Austin 316, just says, I whooped your ass. So, and hey, if we had not gotten Austin 316, we never would have gotten McMahon 632. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I I, I agree with you, Pat. Like, my, my only thing about Jake is, and not that I don't think he was a good promo, not that I didn't think he was a good hand is any i thought he had a good look is it, i couldn't always follow his character very well like i there was times where i would get disinterested with his character because it was just it was very deep stuff that he would do sometimes that was like hard for me to follow so it was like okay i don't know what this guy's talking about or what he's trying to say you know if i went back and watched it now it'd be a whole different story but when I was watching as a kid, you know, maybe what, 15, 16 years old, maybe somewhere in there, it, it didn't always make sense to me what he was trying to tell, what he was trying to convey over the mic. So, yeah, cutting yeah, a I, deep intellectual promo to a bunch of kids, it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to follow. But at that time, you know, it was, you know, there was, it was kids, but a lot of the young males and up to 35 and even the older ones who are still hanging on to their old 70s wrestling and whatnot so they probably got it but yeah the kids and the females were like what the fuck y'all talking about over there (laughs) i I think i think for him and at the time like you know kids weren't maybe necessarily getting the promo but they were getting the move and the snake so that's what that's what that's what kept kept him popular with with the the kids i would say probably yeah all right just real quick, one more modern guy. Sure. Uh, we've talked about him numerous times, so I'm not going to go list through all his accolades again. Jericho. I mean, again, just oh the, God, the, yeah. the, the the constant reinvention, you know, always going back to the drawing board, always coming up with something a little new, changing his, changing his look a little bit, cutting his hair this time, cutting his hair even shorter when he comes back, switching from pants to tights or just whatever. I mean, it's just like he was always tweaking and always finding new ways to, you know, to reposition himself and reinvent himself. And again, Great heel, but great face too. Really, when you come mm-hmm. right down to it, when he when he wanted to get the fans behind him, he had ways of getting the fans behind him. And I also just want to say, I really feel like the best version of Chris Jericho. You guys can disagree, but I always really felt the best version of Chris Jericho was like initial heel turn WCW Chris Jericho, 1998, when he was uh, you know dom- trying to dominate the cruiserweight division and everything, and uh, he had the big feud with Dean Malenko. I still always kind of feel like that was like the best Chris Jericho. I was like I was, his, that was the whining Jericho, which just like complained about everything, but it, it worked for him because he did it in a good way. I, yeah. I'm, I also had the great rip off uh, theme music, you know, that sounded like Pearl Jam's even plus. And he so. had Ralphus. Yeah, Ralphus. Um, he, that was my favorite version of Chris Jericho until the Kevin Owens, I'm, you made the list thing. So like, that was my favorite Chris Jericho until they put him with Owens. And then, I don't think I'm ever I'm never going to like anything better than him and Owens, because like I as I've said, Owens and him together was the best thing that's happened in the last five years of wrestling. So, yeah, I I would definitely say the other two great versions of Jericho were the the Kevin Owens era. You just made the list Jericho 
but then also the uh, the 2008 heel turn on Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, where you know he started like wearing the suits and uh, you know he kind of changed his promo style around completely. I that's, that was to me was great too. That's and so the, you just summed everything up with Jericho right there. There there how many other guys can we talk about? Well, this version of him was the best because most guys there's like two or three. Jericho there's like six. <laughs> yeah. So there's six or seven different versions of Chris Jericho you can pick. So that speaks volumes for what that guy's done to recreate himself. And I don't think we've ever seen anybody better at that than him. It speaks to his long, it speaks to his longevity and it speaks to his creativity because I think it's pretty obvious when you can tell like where a talent has a lot of input on what he's doing and what he's saying versus when like the creative team is controlling it. And I think Jericho is the kind of guy that, yeah, there's no way that anybody on the creative team in WWE ever came up with the list. Okay, there's just no way. So, I, I, speaking of Jericho, I saw he just got rights to some of his stuff, like the Lionheart and stuff. Like WWE actually actually got rights to some of his own stuff from WWE, not like Y2J, but they oh, said yeah. some of his other stuff he actually got rights to. Yeah, why, why, yeah, Y2J they'll never give up. That's definitely a WWE. <laughs> but still, good, good for him. Good for WWE and him. And, and like I, and I feel like I just told Nicole or Zach today. I hope that when he's done in AEW, he needs to go back and get put in the Hall of Fame because nobody that guy deserves to be in WWE's Hall of Fame. So I hope somewhere down the road there's not like bad blood and they don't put him in just because of AEW. Like hopefully when he's done there, they'll still put him in because I. I I would certainly hope so too, because when you really come right down to it, can you, can you really even still call AEW competition for WWE yet? And I don't really think that the answer is yes. So, um, yeah. I mean, he changes look in New Japan too. So yeah, so those are three for me. Okay, awesome. All right, AJ, I'm gonna have you go last on this one, so I'm gonna kick it over to Theo for a quick two okay. or three. Okay. Um. So, God, yeah. man, which one do I want to go with here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with Stone Cold first. Nice. Um, you know, I, you know the whole 316. You know, playing off Jake Roberts over here. Um, you know, a 316 thing. But you know, you look what he did for them in that time. Um, I mean, he was the top guy really for the Attitude Era, pretty much. You know, his fuse with it McMahon and, and all that stuff and his fuse with other people pretty much helped launch the Attitude Era, which led into other things. Because you kind of think about it, who else was McMahon going to put in that top spot that would have been just as successful as what Stone Cold did for them at that time? And you kind of look at the list of guys and maybe it could have worked, but not as long um, had him and and would have had a more impactful um more of an impact on the industry than what Stone Cold did at that time frame um, in regards to that. Um, I, I always, I, I was indifferent with him. There's times I liked him, there's times I didn't like him, but I always liked his badass attitude, you know, flipping off the crowd, flipping off people. You know, I, I always liked that when he won the title and made his own goddamn belt with the, the smoke and skull belt. That shit was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was times where I kind of like, all right, you know, let's, let's, you need to change it up a little bit. But he was kind of one of those guys where he didn't really, he really didn't tweak too much of his gimmick. It was pretty much the same throughout his whole career. Um, he's one of the only few guys who can kind of keep his gimmick pretty much the same and still kind of get away with it. Um, 
and have it work over and over and over again. Um, he may have tweaked a couple of things here and there. But that's pretty much for the most part. Was that was always his gimmick, the vest, the beer chugging. Well, you know, you bring alcohol on a, <laughs> a TV show with the a TV show like that. I know, I know, somebody doesn't like beer drinking people, but um, it's okay. I, I, I liked his I liked his gimmick. He he had pretty much he could cut a promo. He could work in the ring. Um, he could tell a story. He, he he had great matches with a lot of different guys. So, I mean, he's definitely one of the guys who's who has to be, you know, in everybody's top 10 list, I believe. And if not, <laughs> whatever, because he's he in is. my top 10 list. He is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and it's funny because he had probably the plainest look of yeah. any modern era wrestler. Like black, black boots, black, black, black trunks. Black, yes. uh, Goldberg's was plainer than Stone Cold's. But not as popular. <laughs> but he still was relevant. I'm just saying yeah. he was relevant. Yeah, I wish he was irrelevant, but he was relevant. So yeah. his was <laughs> plain, the plainest look, I think, of anybody. Yeah. So Stone yes, Cold. Yeah, I, 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 I 100% agree with that one. I love Stone Cold. When I liked know, him better when he was in WCW, actually. So I preferred him as stunning Steve Austin. So I, I kind of never I'll saw go. that gimmick. What? Well, I, I did, and I saw it like when he was in USWA, even before WCW. Like, even when, when he was in ECW, he was entertaining. Yeah, like when, yes, when that when was. that used, when that used to air, you know, uh, USWA aired on the afternoons on ESPN back in the early '90s. So you see all these matches where it was like, uh, you know, Steve Austin and uh, Tom Pritchard, or Steve Austin and Eric Embry against Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett, and it was like that was kind of. Cool, because it was yep. like completely new guys for me at the time. But, uh, you know, yeah, it was a it was a completely different gimmick. And, um, you know, obviously the ringmaster didn't work. But the funny thing is there's this one uh, channel on YouTube that has been doing uh, like week by week a comparison of like Raw versus Nitro. And they just got to the beginning of 1996. Uh, so they just got to the first like the presentation of the ringmaster and everything. <laughs> and you know they had they made him that the million dollar champion. They made him the million dollar champion and paired him with DiBiase, and he's got the first interview in the ring with Brother Love, which is kind of funny. But the interesting thing to me about that was like I watched the promo then, and it's like he proved right from the start he didn't need a damn manager. No disrespect to DiBiase, who was one of the greats, but he's he, his promo style was a little interesting. But like he does this first thing in that first promo, where he's like, you know, I want everybody watching at home. To put your hand up to the screen so you can touch greatness and all this. And I'm like, it was a great promo. So it's like, why are they ever pairing with Bibiasi? It was it, it made it really made no sense. And it, you know, I can't really say it, it hurt him, but because you know, six months later he's cutting the 316 promo, but um yeah. it was just weird that they didn't really know quite how to use him at first. And mm-hmm. another thing about Austin I always find ironic is like, you know, he's arguably the biggest superstar of all time in terms of like, you know, money made or whatever. But think about how much longer his career could have been if Owen hadn't botched the damn pile driver at SummerSlam, because that yeah, yeah, that, that 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 took him out of action for a year there from like you know late '99 to late 2000. But it also obviously brought a very early end to his career too. So he yeah. could have, and and I think one of AJ's complaints about Austin in the past has been that you know he just kind of was doing the same stuff over and over again. Haven't you said that before? Yeah, like it work. You know, I feel like he was probably a lot more limited in the ring after the pile driver botch and everything. So 
I, I think it's a shame because, you know, as great as he was, there's always a possibility he could have been better or if maybe not better, just hung around a little longer to have worked more thoroughly with some different guys. My my favorite version of Austin was the Hollywood Blondes with flying Brian Pillman. Yeah, the that's my Blondes. favorite. That's my favorite version of Austin. They were fabulous. That's actually where you really see that. That's the first time you really see that there's something there with Austin. And Pillman was carrying that team, but you got to see them with the stupid movie thing. That that like was like innovative stuff. That was like stuff that WCW didn't usually come up with, like stuff like that, because that was very innovative at the time. They, so they, they put like the lights in the boots and everything, because I remember yes. those were popular in the sneakers around that time. But they put them in their damn wrestling boots. So yeah, that was that was a good gimmick. I that's agree. Yeah, that's they, they they didn't get a long enough run either for whatever. They reason. did not, and I'm because I'm reading Pillman's book. I'm reading all about that now and all the crap backstage and all the shit they were going through. So yeah, there, there's a lot of rumors as to who might've said, Oh, we need to split these guys up now. They've gotten two over Hulk and I, Hogan. Well, no, cause they were, they were split up before oh. Hogan got there. I, I, yeah. I've always thought that they were kind of always pointing the finger at flair for that one. I mean, they, there, there's a lot of anti Hogan stuff in this book too already. So, all right, Theo. So we got, Stone Cold. <laughs> so my second person on here <laughs> is part of Vince McMahon's. Well, you're my top guy, so I'm gonna limit you limit you to the five moves of doom. Sweet. Yes, Joe just took one of my 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 guys, <laughs> <laughs> Mister. You can't see me, John Cena. <laughs> uh, listen, yeah, he never turned heel. I mean, he was kind of a heel-ish. Thugonomics, but he was basically he was a heel at first, but he never yeah. turned heel once he turned face. So, you know, Vince of course found his golden gem and limited him to how many moves he can do per match and uh, all that fun stuff. Until um, but, until recently, he he kind of let Cena open it up finally about 2014 2015. So, no, well, yeah, true, because he trusted him at some point, I guess. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, uh, Cena had a great run, um, 10 years um, in regards to it, you know, 16-time champion. Um, listen, he's a company guy, you know what I mean? So when other guys were dropping the ball or other guys weren't performing, of course, Vince is always going to go back to his guy he can trust. And John Cena was his guy he can trust. He was good on the mic. He could definitely do more more moves than five, so he could definitely work in the ring <laughs> um, for the most part. And he, he knew how to tell a story in the ring, too. He sold moves. He didn't – yeah, he sold oversell sometimes. But, you know, he was very good at a lot of the aspects of what you consider your goat to be. Um, you know, but I think one of the things that kind of hurt him was, I guess it's kind of – more because of Vince not trusting other people. It was because there was a time where, like, there was other guys who really weren't able to go to that level. So you kept seeing Cena. You kept seeing Cena. And it's like you're seeing all these. I remember, like, a two-year time frame. I don't remember what time frame it is. You guys can tell me. Two-year time frame was, like, fucking Super Cena time. Where, like, every single match, oh, my God, he's going to fucking lose. Nope. He fucking pulls some shit out of his ass and he fucking wins. Like, it just felt like he at times felt like it was a 80s version of a Hogan 
champion 2.0 sometimes, which made me kind of like like him, dislike him, like him. Uh, I don't know what I think about him anymore. You know, um, I kind of think, which is the other person I'm going to segue into, I kind of think when CM Punk came on the scene um, and some other wrestlers in that time frame and Cena started having feuds with them, I think is when Vince kind of let the let up on the reins to let Cena do more in the ring because there was more guys that were more athletic and you didn't have too many of the big guys around. So he had to do some of the shit that he did back in OVW back in the day with, uh, with the rest of the guys. So you got to see more of a wrestler, right? Uh, he had say, really, John Cena. really good matches with punk. He had good matches with Kevin Owens. He had a good match with Sami Zayn. Like all of a sudden Cena, like opened it up. Like if you go back, between 2010 and 2020, half of the good matches in WWE that weren't NXT, Cena was in a good chunk of them, actually. So, and then all these people are still chanting Cena sucks. And it's like that cheer is is dumb to me. So, it, or when they chant, you can't wrestle to John Cena. Like that that's yeah. why I think wrestling fans are idiots. <laughs> when you're chanting, you can't wrestle to John Cena then you you make yourself look like an ignorant person at that point. If you want to chant, chant you can't wrestle to the great Kali, that's fine. Or if you want to, there, there are some people that we can go down the list, I'm sure, and find people that you can chant that to, and it's fine. Chanting that to John Cena and chanting that to Roman Reigns, I don't think are really something that should be happening. So no, just because you don't like a guy, fan. it's not just because you don't like a guy. I don't like Keith Lee. I'm not going to chant you can't wrestle to him because he can wrestle. It's just the rest of him I don't like. I'm not going to chant you can't wrestle to somebody who can wrestle. You sound ignorant when you do stuff like that. And the Cena sucks chant, that that got stupid to where people are just like, oh, this is the cool thing to do, so now I'm going to do it. I'm going to be cool like everybody else. Like, yeah. well, and if, you look, if you look at some of the matches that he had to have over time, I mean, he had to fight the Great Khali how many times? He, And no offense to the Big Show, but Big Show – yeah, he's limited in what he can do in the ring. He had to fight the Big Show how many times? Yeah, um, he was fighting Ryback, who was terrible in the <laughs> ring. Um, you know, Edge was, I think, at the very end of his career before he left for his, you know, his neck problem. Um, you know, you still had the two brands, so it wasn't like everybody was on, you know, on the Raw roster. There was they needed to have guys over on the SmackDown roster. Um, he did have matches with Randy Orton, but you saw a ton of those matches. Like everybody got sick of his seeing those matches. Yes. Like, oh, we got to see yeah. Randy Orton and John Cena. I'm sick again. of oh seeing. God, I'm sick of seeing you know. Randy Orton at this point. Period. So, so you know, if he wasn't fighting Randy Orton, if he didn't have Edge while Edge was still there, he was fighting these big, just big guys that were they couldn't do much in the ring or if they could they were really bad and you were like oh my god i hope he doesn't get killed that's you know that's so. that's a credit to cena too for carrying feuds with some pretty terrible guys like sometimes he definitely was forced in. it it happens to everybody i think it happened to cena more than more than other people and he was able to unfortunately the the one thing for Cena that worked against him is he is the person responsible for us going for them going back to TV PG and stuff like Cena yes. that Cena's doing. It's one hundred percent his doing. And anybody that knows that it is doing, even as much as I like Cena, I'm, I'm not thrilled that he was responsible for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, he had a good few with Rusev too. I mean, I I was really not. 
didn't really know how I thought about Rusa, but Rusa was an athletic dude. He could wrestle, and he had a good oh, feed yeah. with him. That was I, I, I liked that feud with those two as well. Absolutely. My well, favorite version of Cena is definitely Rapper Cena, though. I definitely liked Rapper course. Cena. That was that was <laughs> coming from the rap guy. Yes. <laughs> no, I, his best his best promos were pretty much then. Like his, his oh, he yeah. was doing stuff that was very cutting edge then that we had never seen before, and he he made it work and he got lucky. Like you know, if he hadn't dressed up as Vanilla Ice on that Halloween episode of SmackDown, we may never have gotten that John, ever gotten John, anything out of John Cena because he was almost on his way out at that point. Yeah, you never know. So yeah, that segues into that. my third guy. Okay, well, go ahead. Now I just want to say, you're talking about like when Cena was wrestling guys who weren't that great. Um, they were basically they they went back to the Hogan booking basically with with Cena. It's like, Correct. well, you know. Hogan was obviously, you know, a huge guy with huge muscles. Cena was a guy with huge muscles. So you got to put him in there against a guy who's going to make him look small so that you make him think that he's the underdog. So that's why you get feuds with the big show, with the great Kali, with Umaga. Uh, even JBL, to an extent, you could say, is a guy that makes Cena look smaller. Uh, a couple of times he were like wrestled Kane, you know, uh, things of that sort. So that's, but it's obvious, you know, while he had some good matches in there with some of those guys, he had a couple of good matches with Umaga and JBL. Obviously, he was always better if he was worked up with somebody who could actually do stuff in the ring, like Punk or Edge or Orton or uh, Styles or, you know, those types of guys. So just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Theo, I know who you're going with next, but I'm going to let you say it. (laughs) He's on my shirt. Uh, In my CM Punk shirt right there. Cobra Command. The Cobra Commander's on your shirt? <laughs> it's the, the Cobra server that has punk underneath there. I know. I love that shirt. That shirt's cool. <laughs> um, CM Punk. I've always liked him. I, I've I watched him in the indies, and I watched him on the, all the other places, ROH and the old TNA in regards to him. He was just different, I guess, in the indies, so I always followed him in that manner. Um, but, you know, he, he uh, him and Cena... Had a great match, Money in the Bank, 2011. That got nominated as the match of the year and feud of the year, I believe, as well, in 2011. Um, Punk, he didn't need Paul Heyman, but they still stuck Paul Heyman with him. Um, he was great on the mic. Um, you all know the pipe bomb. But besides that, he, he was overall good. Um, he can lead a little faction with the Straight Edge Society. He was able to do multiple things. He can... Mm-hmm be a technical wrestler. He could do some high flying stuff when need be. Um, he did more of that early in his career than later in his career for obvious reasons. Um, he was one of those smaller guys like Daniel Bryan, who a lot of people didn't give a chance. And he had people who believe in him and his skills. And he finally got the opportunity and he did, he did what he did with the opportunity. You know, he, he had good feuds with multiple people and he was, uh, one of those guys who can, you know, do almost pretty much everything. So he's my uh, third dude. I agree. I have, I have always disliked the fact that we never got to see the Pepsi plunge in a WWE ring, but obviously we, <laughs> we weren't going to see that in a WWE ring. No. So I think it's funny that Joe, two of the guys Joe picked, my biggest issue with two of them is they dropped their ball and went home. And I can never, I can't, that's, I know you guys don't see that the same way I do. That's unacceptable to me. So, and I will argue guy with both all you guys all day about that, that that's not something that was cool to do. So I, I, that's 
probably when I stopped liking Punk was probably when he dropped his ball and went home. I actually liked, I started liking him less after The Rock beat him because the internet community was so pissed off because The Rock beat him. I was like starting to not like him at that point. But the dropping your ball and going home thing, I just, when Austin did it, I, I that's probably the moment. I already didn't like Austin, and that's probably the moment I started completely not liking him. I think Austin's scenario was worse when he did it, but I just, even when Sasha did it after WrestleMania last year, I, I didn't like it. I, I didn't think that that was cool when she did it either. So I'm not picking people that I don't like. I don't think when anybody does it, I'll stand by with anybody. I don't think it's cool. If The Rock did it, I would say stuff about him for doing it too. So I just don't, I've never liked that when people do that and I'm never going to. And I've been saying that for years about Stone Cold. I've not backed down from it. I'm never going to. So I just don't think it's cool when people do that kind of stuff. So it's challenging because there's politics that go along with that too. So, so if you fall out of, if, if you fall out of favor with the big shots and you know, you think you're deserving of more and cause you've proved it and there's a big back and forth and there's other stuff going on, uh, you know what it, yeah, people might not like it. That's fine. Uh, I'm not going to dislike him for not for doing it. Um, it. Each is to their own in regards to that. That's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. But, oh, you know, yeah. Stone Cold's and it was different. You know, they I'm sorry, but they pretty much fucked Sasha and Bailey. They backdoored them in my consider. They did. In my, in my terms. I mean, you you look what happened with that is like, hey, we're doing this. And all of a sudden, two days late before WrestleMania or a day before 48 24 hours we're just going to back to years and nope we're changing to this for what reason and what they did made no fucking sense because they knew the bellas weren't going to be able to fucking do shit they were all over the place each scenario is a little different so i get why i get why they do it because this injury industry is so cutthroat um it always has been so Unless you have that major pull, like some wrestlers do, some don't. Some might be in with the majority of them, but if they're not in fully with everyone, then you're going to have issues. And then shit's going to lead to one thing after another after another. And they decide to take their ball and fucking run, go home and whatever. It's fine because, to be honest with you, Punk can go wherever the fuck he wants and he can make just as much money or even more than he did in WWE because fans, the companies will pay for him because he's a name and he can make that money in all over the places. I mean, at, at least with him, he's he was like he didn't he hasn't done anything since. Like Austin came crawling back eventually. Like at least Punk has like you know stuck to his guns on that one. So like at least he just just like I'm done. I don't really want. I'll do this again if I ever want to. So other than that, though, I like Punk too. I really like Punk a lot too. That was just yeah. that 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 problem arises with people and it just bothers me when it happens so yeah it's unfortunate but aj give us uh give us a couple who do you got Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna say rick flair so i think rick flair is one of the two or three probably the top two all time i just everything that guy's done and that guy still wants to wrestle now so they, he's a crazy son of a bitch. Yeah, he's he like is. he's at the point of his career probably almost 10 years ago that he could have just like hung up the boots and said, OK, I'll come in and do 
like I'll be the evil manager or I'll come in and do a promo or, you know, something like that just to promote something. But he didn't need to be stepping in the ring. I think I mean, the evolution was, was life. I mean, he needed to be in the ring. A lot of Ric stuff. Flair's career was back when they were wrestling 40 minutes every night at house shows, you know, like his, <laughs> his, you know, most of his career was when he was not wrestling 15 minutes a night. Yes. Like most of these matches are now, like he was doing a lot more than most people do. So, I mean, it didn't, he was, he was a really good in ring general. Like he was really good at like making people look like fucking gold. So, Mm -hmm. um, I just hit, and he was, you know, one of the best guys in the mic of all time too. So, I mean, we would have never got the woo off if it wasn't for Ric Flair. (laughs) So true. true. So, um, he's one of them for me. Um, I'm going to say the rock. So I can't disagree with that. So I wish the rocks career would have been a little bit longer. You said triple H Jeremy. So like, I kind of go back and forth with the rock and triple H when I'm like Mm -hmm. ranking top 10, I kind of go back and forth which who, with who I'm going to rank higher. And I usually rank triple H higher just because he had more longevity than the rock, but Mm -hmm. the rock used WWE to get to where he's at now. I don't know if I can really fault him for that either. So like he used WWE as a stepping stone to become the, you know, the highest paid actor in the world. (laughs) So true. And we've never seen, we will probably never, ever see somebody with the, the charisma that that guy has. So that guy is a walking boatload of charisma. So yes, he is. I think he, I don't think he was necessarily the best in ring guy. I probably would only give him a six, maybe, maybe a six and a half out of 10 in ring, but he, all the other stuff he was really good at. So I, he, he had a tendency. He didn't do a lot of the like really crazy stuff. And I'm not saying that everybody's made for that, but in the era the rock wrestled in, he kind of avoided (laughs) the really crazy steel cage matches. I mean, he did a ladder match with triple H and he did the Armageddon match, but he kind of steered away from that stuff. Like he, when he was doing those matches, sometimes they were with Foley and he was beating the shit out of Foley. Foley wasn't really doing much to him. So that's always been my, the longevity with the rock. And then his, he kind of wanted to stay in the, the just the normal matches. <laughs> he, he didn't really want to dabble too much into the crazy stuff, which during the yeah. attitude era, everybody kind of had to do that to some degree. But other like what the rock is one of the few guys as Darth Pat alluded to earlier, that is good as a face and a heel. He, he falls in that really small group of people who is good on both sides. Very true. So absolutely. So he's, he's a guy that I have to, I have to bring up too. Yeah. So, uh, what did I say? I said Ric Flair and The Rock. Yep. Yep. Um, Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> yeah. So, would be my would be my other one. So somebody uh, somebody mentioned my name. <laughs> <laughs> He's another person that was wrestling back when Ric Flair was, and mm-hmm. Flair and Dusty like to bleed every fucking night. So, hence why yes, Dusty's did. forehead looks the way it does. Like Swiss I'm, cheese. I'm afraid Dusty's kid thinks it's cool to be like that. <laughs> now, <laughs> I think Cody is like, I want to be like my dad. Well, let me tell yeah, you something. He's got to watch it there. He's got to do that. He's got to have a forehead that looks like it's been 
had an iron going over to 17,000 times a day, my son. <laughs> got to have all the little scars, all the little growth and stuff that you could have 17,000 surgeries. They just never gonna get rid of him. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Dusty, yeah. Dusty was my favorite wrestler when I was a kid. When I was watching WCW, he was my favorite wrestler in WCW. So he was probably the first wrestler in WCW I ever really liked. So and Dusty and Sting were my two when I watched yes, started watching that back Surfer, in the day. Surfer Sting, yes. As long as we're talking about Surfer Sting for me, for sure. I used to love I like Surfer Sting. So. Um, I mean, Do- Jeremy used Dusty's promo several weeks ago on the yeah. uh, on the promo podcast. I mean, Dusty was really good on the mic. Also, he, he may special. not have quite he may not have quite fallen into I have the look category, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> it, yeah, worked for him. Polka dots, it worked for him. It worked for him. And see, there's the thing. Get gimmick and look have to go together. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes was. You know, his gimmick was the blue collar guy, the everyday man. Well, there's a lot of everyday mans that look like Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> you know, so his gimmick fit his look. It wasn't like he was trying to be this the sexy guy or, you know, the, the super fit guy or, you know, super powerful guy or anything like that. He was the worker guy. And so it fit him. Um, so I think as far as like look of a, you know, a bodybuilder wrestler, of course not, but he had the look of, you know, his gimmick, which made sense, you know? So, yeah, I think that's where you can kind of put his look is it fit his gimmick for what he was trying to do, not like anybody else's gimmick. So you're right. It worked for him and what he was doing. The other, uh, the other two guys real quick, I'm not going to go into a lot of depth with, but I just want to bring up uh, Bret Hart Mm -hmm. because I do think Bret Hart, was one of the best technical in-ring guys I've ever seen. So, okay. and Edge is another guy that I think I didn't even like Edge at first, and he grew oh, on me. And I've and I learned to respect Edge as a really good, like he really succeeded a lot more than I thought he was going to when I saw him in the Brood. That's so, because you thought you knew him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I just wanted to bring those two guys. I wanted to give Edge and Bret Hart a shout out because I, I didn't like Edge at first. And Edge, if you would have told me when he was in the brood that he was going to have the career he had, I would have laughed in your face probably. So, Yeah. All right. So that brings us to our next segment. But before we jump into that, I got a one quick public service announcement. And I thank everybody that is watching and listening to us at this moment. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, if you're catching us on YouTube, make sure you are giving us a big thumbs up like make sure you're subscribing and make sure you are hitting that notification button so you never miss an excellent episode of this crazy ass show that we call well the four guys roundtable show um if you are catching us on itunes stitcher or spotify make sure you give us uh a rating so you can help us jump up there more people can catch us just like yourselves and get entertainment out of this catch us on twitter at for the number four guys with a z roundtable uh, we are posting more and more on there on Twitter. And as always, stay tuned to the very end of the show where you will catch the Mount Rushmore goat of wrestling. And with that, let's move on. Let's see if we can agree on a top 10 of wrestling. This is going to be fun. I want to see if we this can might agree. Take five hours. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make this quick. Everybody's we're, we're going to go around and we're going to. 
What? <laughs> okay. Good. I feel like we've talked about a lot of the guys that yes. should go on this list already. I think, I think we did. So I think we can pre- might be able to knock this out pretty quick. So, Pat, Darth Pat, give us one. We're just gonna go, everybody's gonna get a chance to give one and see if we agree with one at least one out of everybody's mouth. Uh, okay. Uh, I we haven't mentioned him in depth at all yet, but so I'll go with the Hulkster. The Hulkster top ten. Does everybody agree? Yes. He's number ten I, on my list. I, I would agree too. He's in the top ten. All right, so we get Bare, so barely we got, for me. <laughs> so we got the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan, AJ, uh, Ric Flair. I agree. Everybody else. <laughs> um, let me think about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so we got two. See, I, I didn't think this was going to be too bad. All right, Theo. <laughs> Undertaker. I agree. I agree. Wow, I'm kind of surprised that AJ agreed, but yeah. <laughs> he's 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 nine. He's nine on my list, but he's in my top ten. Uh-oh. So we got three, man. We're moving right along. Here we go. So I'll throw in Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. All right, so we got four. Going back to Darth Pat. I'll I'll agree with Michaels. Okay. Darth Pat. Uh I'll throw Bret Hart on there. I can agree. Okay. Yep. I can agree with that. Yes. All right. So we're up to five. Got five more. AJ. John Cena. That, that's tough, but I think I, I would agree with that. I'd put him in my top ten wrestlers of all time. I'd agree with that. He's he's eight. On my, he's eight for me. Okay. Yes. All right. Darth Pat. Uh, what is the yay or nay to Cena? Yeah. Uh, I'll say yay for right this second. All right, so we're up to six. Theo? Uh-oh. <laughs> this is getting tough. I'm scared to know what's going to come The other out. four guys left, We I feel like we've all talked about. We've talked about already. I'm putting Stone Cold on there. Okay. Okay, yep. He's, on, he's on mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll go Stone Cold. All right, so I'd say I have to say in the top ten, uh, The Rock. I'd have yep. to put him in the top I ten. Got, got him. All right. Everybody else agreed? Yes. All right. So we're up to eight. We only got two more to go, and we could finish our top ten here. Darth Pat, you're up. (sighs) You know, for largely sentimental reasons, the fact that, yeah, I kind of shed a tear every time I think about him, mostly because for whatever reason, he never went back. I got to go with the Macho Man. Yes. I'd have to say, yeah, I'd have to agree with that, too, just because of uh, his body work, his ability, his look, his even though he didn't have always the greatest promos. Uh Oh, AJ. Uh, He's this is the first one we have that's not on. Okay, so AJ is not an agreement. So who would you throw instead of the Macho Man? Dusty Rhodes or Triple H. Those are my last two guys I have. See, I I would also have Dusty. I'm going Savage over Triple H. If you have The Rock and Stone Cold on the list and not Triple H, then you're like, like, I don't know how you can do that. Like I said, he's been wrestling for longer than either of those guys. Like his longevity. Because he's not a great baby face because he didn't reach the heights that those two guys did. He's not as good of a promo as those two guys are. 
In terms of like in ring work, he might be the best of the three of them, but I don't think it's by a lot. So I, I and again, just yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to compare because again, one guy's you know peak was 1985 or so to say 1996 or seven or so, and the other guy's peak is pretty much the end of that through whenever you want to say Triple H's peak was over. So it's a little hard to compare, but I think Savage all around was more impactful than Triple H was. And because we haven't really talked about this, but I'm just going to have to throw this out there. There's always going to be that part of me that's going to wonder how far Triple H's pushes would have gone, how sustained they would have been, how long they would have been if he hadn't started boffing Stephanie. Nothing like putting your sausage in the company uh, rolls. <laughs> of course, that's also supposedly the reason why oh, Stephanie never came back. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I have uh, and see and I know I kind of been saying I agree a lot, and that's because I all the wrestlers that we named I really liked, and I really think as we talk about the top ten, I, I agree with them. And it's hard to make like I think Savage belongs there, but I also think Triple H, um, and who was uh, who, and Dusty belong there too. It's like a I three mean, way tie so then to, to get those last two spots. Let's just say for for shits and giggles, then we'll just say Dusty is in. Because we all seem to agree on that, and then we'll just say that Savage and Triple H are tied for that last spot or whatever. So and I, then I we're, can I can agree with that. Then we're then we're then we're there. I mean, if they're number tied for number ten overall between us, then that's fine. Do you agree that's, with that, Theo? I, I can I can tolerate that. I can go with that. <laughs> Thank you, Dusty. <laughs> that, was not, that was Johnny Cochran, but that's okay. So, sorry, kind of sounded like you're Dusty. <laughs> Uh, I got to differentiate these voices better then, because <laughs> I'm not I'm not disagreeing with what you guys said about Savage. He would have been my next person. So like yeah. I I Savage was that I went back and forth with the two of them like between them. So it's not like Savage was twentieth. Like he was my next guy. <laughs> so I was going I went back and forth on them. I just I'm not a, and I don't always like Triple H. I haven't always liked Triple H. So the mm-hmm. thing with Triple H is. That's coming from a completely unbiased place with me because he's he's not always been my favorite. So I'm giving him a lot of credit, even though I didn't really always like him. And I think sometimes he did get where he got because of Pat, what Pat said. But I also can't take away from his ability and what he did with what happened. Like he was in DX. Like he won a bunch of titles. Like he probably got pushed, put himself over sometimes like Booker T and guys. Maybe we, we didn't think he should have. But he's never like... I've never been like, God, he's terrible. Like, I've never looked at him and been like, God, he sucks. Like, it's never, ever been like that with him. And like I said, he's he's got a lot of longevity. And I definitely, mm-hmm. part, part of part of me, it's, it's him and NXT that figures into this, too. I like what he's done with NXT behind the scenes, too. So I think part of this, he gets some of the credit for that, too. Yeah. So, okay. so him being... A, me, me in my top 10, putting him ahead of The Rock, I didn't want to do it because I like The Rock way more. But I've just had this discussion with people, and I'm just like, they're all like, yeah, Triple H's career was longer, way longer than The Rock's, and he did some things, and it's just hard to not acknowledge that in wrestling. So, 
I agree. And now, AJ, the jury will deliberate on your final statement there uh, and come back with a uh, verdict on that. AOG. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait, what? We got a we got a <laughs> top ten list pretty quick, Jeremy. So yeah, no, I think that I'm very, I'm actually very surprised about that. Theo, do you are you good with all the picks at the very end there? Yes. All right, excellent. So that leads us into the final segments of our show, which is two things: the stumper question, and followed by. Mount Rushmore. And our stumper question today is brought to you by AJ Nee. So, AJ, what is our stumper question that I probably will not be able to answer as I you mean, somebody <laughs> might somebody might get this one. I don't think this one is like extremely difficult, but it's okay. it's just an interesting. So we actually talked about one of the guys on here, one of the guys we talked about, Jake the Snake Roberts. Okay. Is from Stone Mountain, Georgia. What current WWE wrestler also hails from Stone Mountain, Georgia? Or what they say when he comes out. <laughs> like, Jake the Snake was always announced as from Stone Mountain, Georgia. So is this person. I want to say, I, I actually know this. I want to say. I have a guess, but it's not. It's also at the same time not sounding right in my head. So I want to say that it is one of your least favorite current wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> and it is that it is. Um, well, holy crap! I can't think of his damn name. This is terrible. This is killing me, because I know I have his freaking ugly ass face in my head, and I can't think of his stupid freaking name. Um, killing me. I'm telling myself. Pat, what's your guess? Well, I know he's from Georgia, but I didn't think he was a from Stone Mountain. But and it also doesn't sound right for him to be billed from Stone Mountain, and that's AJ. Okay, Jeremy. No, it, it's um. Why can't I think of his name? Do you Joe? have a guess, Joe? <sighs> Still thinking. It's it's right on the tip of my tongue. I hate when my memory doesn't help me. My memory. Oh, punch me in the head, somebody. No. Um. <laughs> Ah, thank um, you, <laughs> thank you for selling. <laughs> Strowman, Strowman, yes, Braun Strowman. Then uh, he's from Tennessee. Then they're building him <laughs> from Tennessee. That's the only because I know they bill him from one of the one of yeah. the southern states, and that's why I was thinking Strowman. So well, Strowman got the big tattoo of North. This Carolina. says Nashville Strong. That's yeah, Nashville Strong. Stupid ass. I hate Strowman. Who cares? <laughs> Terrible wrestler. Theo? He hates you, too. I know. It's okay. <laughs> Did he wrestle tonight? Yes. Uh, now I have a second guess, but I think it's also wrong, so I'm not going to take a second guess, though. <laughs> Was it Drew? No. Oh. Apollo Cruz. That was my goddamn second guess after he said he wrestled tonight. I'm like, wait a minute, doesn't Apollo... Yeah, AJ, isn't he from, like... Gainesville, or I mean, yes. I mean not. Or, he's from Georgia, but he's not that, not that part. But like, the, but the reason why I didn't think it was Stone Mountain is because I'm saying in my head, wait a minute, he's from a town that also is pro is the name of a prominent town in Florida. But I was thinking Jacksonville, but I'm like, no, that doesn't sound right either. Be like Gainesville, I, yeah. I was oh, watching. Who won that match anyway? Because I missed. I, I turned on the. They did it. They, they did it in the pre-show. Apollo Crews oh. won. So. Yeah. I, I just I was watching Raw one night and they said, Oh, 
from Stone Mountain, Georgia, Apollo Crews. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that'll be a stumper because I'm like, everybody knows Jake the Snake was from there. So like, so it worked. It wasn't like something I had to sit here and explain all night. It was a pretty simple. No, no and that's that was, that's that, funny that they bill him from that area. <laughs> he's fr- he's from Georgia. I don't think he's from Stone Mountain. I think he's from the area, but that's where they bill him from. So well, no, yeah. that, that that's cool. I mean, I always kind of like, especially when we're talking about stuff, when especially when it's wrestling and it's it's like cross era, if you will. Mm-hmm. where we're kind of connecting the old to the current in some way. So, so that, I had a, I, that was a good, that was a good one. I just came up with on a whim. I didn't go looking for it or anything. I just came good. up with that one on my, on my own. So that that, yeah, that was a good one. That was a very good one. Uh, Cause I actually had a get. I was wrong of course, but at least I had a guess with somebody who was relevant. And I, I thought it, Jeremy was going to say Keith Lee. I was like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> no, I know. I, but and see, the thing that throws me off about Apollo Cruz is he doesn't sound like he's from the South. Like he has no Southern drawl that I can think of. Because he has the personality of a rock. That's why. <laughs> it's, also, it's also because I don't. I, don't I, I just looked him up real quick. Um, it says he was born in Sacramento, California. Uh, it says that he says that he was raised in Atlanta. So okay. But yeah, yeah you, know, you know, you don't, you don't, depending upon like when he first moved to Atlanta and everything like that, you wouldn't necessarily pick up an act. No, they, they said it. Like I said, I heard them say it and I'm like, oh, that's the same place Jake the snake is from. And I still remember that. So, yeah, because cool. I always thought that was cool. That, that that's where they said Jake the snake was from, because it was kind of an oddball place. Yeah, I can't wait for the next time that they bill a wrestler as being from that magical place called Parts Unknown. <laughs> we'll see when that happens. Well, yeah, and uh, we were, me and my other friends were like, Vacant is the best champion in wrestling history. <laughs> Vacant has more titles than anybody. I was going to say, Vacant, if you add up all the titles, Vacant's got a <laughs> <laughs> of everybody else that Vic, you know, it's a hell of a wrestler, isn't he? <laughs> you will never and, and that's the thing. You can't beat Bacon. <laughs> he is literally Screw 16 time. He's a 100 time yes. champion. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> All right. So Bringing us to our last segment of the night, which is, of course, the Mount Rushmore. And today's Mount Rushmore, as always, is based on our theme from today's show, which is the greatest of all time wrestlers. Now, I'm going to go first and get mine out of the way since I am going to mark out to my favorite wrestler (laughs) and (laughs) um, just put him right up there. And my person that i believe that goes on mount rushmore as greatest of all time is the rock and for all the reasons that we've named uh, especially he meets all three criteria he could work in the ring granted as aj said you didn't see him in the crazy bloody beat up you know killer matches but when he was in the ring and when he was wrestling he sold the shit out of things he oversold a lot too at times he was the first person to oversell the stunner everybody else has tried but he was still kind of the originator of that yes when you see him get take a stunner and he falls backward flips over kicks the ropes (laughs) and like crushes his own face not painfully but you know looks like all contorted and shit um you know he definitely knew how to oversell and work he you know he could work a crowd like nobody's business you know he you know, he fought Hogan in that one match and, 
you know, had the people behind him. And then by the time that match started, everybody was against him and everybody wanted Hogan to win that match. Uh, and he played it up. He became the villain real quick. In, in that I actually, match. I actually read something where they said the rock, the rock actually did an interview and said about eight minutes into that match. He, he like, I think he was calling it and he told, you know, mid match told Hogan, we're going to, we're going to switch it up. Like, so the rock did essentially was responsible for that. Like in an interview, he said, he's the one that said, we're going to switch this up. I'm going to play the heel. You're going to play the face. So, yeah. And, and that's just, and that just goes to show you too, at, at, in his career, based on where he was, he didn't give a shit about if he won the match, if he lost the match, he was willing to put people over. He was willing to make other people look good um, because he could, you know, he was, he had that ability, um, you know, as far as Mike skills go, holy shit. I mean, <laughs> uh, we talked about in the last, uh, the last wrestling podcast that we did, he could just talk his ass off and he came up with some of the funniest lines that I've ever heard in wrestling promos, you know, whether he was a good guy, he was a, a bad guy. He could just, he could just talk his ass off and really, once again, move the crowd in either direction that he wanted to based on the kind of character that he was playing. And he had the look, you know, granted when he was Rocky, my via, eh, not so much, you know, his look was pretty, um, it was an experiment. <laughs> it was an experiment. That one didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it made sense for what they were trying to do, trying to represent, you know, high chief Peter, Peter Maivia, as well as dad, Rocky Johnson, you know, it, it made sense what they were trying to do. It just didn't work because it wasn't, it wasn't the rock. It didn't, I mean, it wasn't who he was. A lot so. of the, a lot of the all time greats, their first gimmick didn't necessarily work, whatever promotion they were in. So, yeah. So, yeah, but if like, you, he also debuts at a time where stone cold starting to get hot, where the NWO has already taken over on the other channel. So his gimmick felt outdated too. And that being like the always smiling white meat baby face too. So, <laughs> right. And you know, when he, when you openly admit that in a, in interviews that, I was the baby face and they're booing me. Um, there's a problem, you know, so he knew he needed to change it up. And that's uh, shortly after that. I believe he joins the nation of domination and, you know, and, and that, and, you know, from there just took off and his, became something yeah. crazy. His personality, the charisma came out from then on. Like charisma was there and it pretty much never went away. Yeah. So the rock, I feel definitely needs to be on the Mount Rushmore for greatest of all time. So I'm going to kick it over to Darth Pat. Who are you putting up on Mount Rushmore today, sir? Well, hopefully this isn't going to be stepping on Theo's toes in any way, because I know it's not going to be the <laughs> pick for AJ, but I've got to go with Hogan. No, Don't say it with too much enthusiasm there, sir. <laughs> I really can't think of anything to say about him that we haven't said on previous podcasts. So, yeah. you know, he was he was arguably the greatest babyface and the greatest heel of all time. I mean, so he was the one responsible for taking wrestling into like the mainstream in the 80s. And, you know, uh, I always bring up Jim Cornette. He had an interesting discussion about Hogan within the last couple of weeks or so where he was kind of like evaluating Hogan's legacy. And he, of course, goes old school because he goes like really old school. He's bringing up how like, well, Vern Gagne was a huge star because, you know, back in Vern Gagne's prime, you know, wrestling was on actual network television, not cable television, but network television. And he brought up like Jim Londos, which, of course, is going back to the 30s and 40s saying, well, he drew like better than anybody else. And it's like, I really have no idea. I don't, I don't really know if it's fair to compare. I mean, he said, yeah, he was Hogan was great for like pay-per-view and everything. But I mean, that was brand new in Hogan's time. So it wasn't like 
you could compare Hogan selling pay-per-views to anybody from a past era because there was no such thing, bubble, what, whatever. I mean, it's like, we know he was a great drawing card. We know that he brought fans in as a face. We know that when he finally realized that his shtick had worn thin, that he was willing to take a chance because even though his shtick was wearing thin, he did still have to take a big chance by becoming the bad guy after having been the way he was for so long. And, you know, he was able to run with that and see how well that that could, you know, rejuvenate his career and you know, give him a second level. And, you know, I've rewatched a lot of those nitros from the time the NWO formed through, I think it's about mid 97 is like the la- latest I got to. And it's very, it just is very, very easy to hate him because even if you were a big Hulk Hogan fan like I was, and I was still always kind of rooting for him then, looking back on it now, it's like, yeah, he is like literally the biggest douchebag in the world. He is taking more shortcuts to keep his title than like Flair ever did when Flair was with the Horsemen because, for one thing, he had a bigger gang around him. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, just, you know, he obviously, again, he was never the greatest wrestler. Though I did recently find some YouTube clip where he was working a match, and I think it was in the early to mid '90s against the Great Muda in Japan. Yes. And he's doing like he's doing freaking enziguris and shit, and it's like correct. This is Hulk Hogan you never saw on American television because he didn't have to do that stuff in America, or he was almost told not to. You know, he he his ring work was more about you know making it believe that the guy was going to stomp him, but then doing the big comeback. So. He he was a great he was a great ring psychologist in that sense, but um, yeah, again, yeah, I think I think even to this day, when you ask people about pro wrestling, well, maybe more so The Rock now, of course, because he he's become a bigger movie star than Hulk Hogan ever was. But for a very very long time, and I still think to this day, to a certain extent, if you ask people who don't know anything about pro wrestling, about pro wrestling, Hulk Hogan will be one of the first things that comes to their mind. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. Because he, he was a household name before there was such thing as a household name. No doubt about it. Um, but He's one of the original merchandise sellers, too. Yeah. Yep. And it's and it's crazy because Hogan, as we know, was told probably by Vince, this is what I want you to do. And Hogan said, OK, I can do that. And then by the time he was in WCW, he was older. He was beat up. So he's not going to do any of the things that he was doing in you know, the, the overseas Jap- Japanese, you know, wrestling promotions that he was doing. Why, you know, why would he even try, you know, there's no such an in- or injuring himself. Yeah. Well, that was one of the interesting things that they said too, is that whenever he wrestled in Japan, he very rarely used the leg drop as a finisher. He used like other no. moves. As a finisher. One, because Japanese audiences would never buy the leg drop as a finisher though. In that match against the great mood, I think he did end up resorting back to using it as a finish. Um, but also because by not doing the leg drop, it was saving him wear and tear. Because think about, uh, again, we all know that my atomic leg drop was by far the greatest atomic leg drop <laughs> in the world. Of- <laughs> For those of it you was- who have never seen our old wrestling, it was fucking terrible beyond belief. Um, but I don't know. I enjoyed it. It, <laughs> you're doing it was that- good from a comedy perspective. <laughs> but when you're doing that move all the time you're constantly coming down like you know on, on on your on your hip on your leg on your ass yeah yeah obviously that's going to take a huge toll and of course we can see with the problems that he's had um that it did so really when you think about it, it's one of the dumbest finishing movers maneuvers ever just because of the uh the the wear and tear that you put yourself through there's like so many fin- finishers you could do that um 
won't do that. But I think even Austin has said that constantly doing the stunner caused a lot of like arm and shoulder problems eventually. So, yeah, it is. Wrestling beats the hell out of your body. AJ, who are you throwing up on the Mount Rushmore tonight? I just want to make it clear. I definitely don't think Hogan should be. We figured that. Yeah. What are your feelings about Hogan? He barely, he only made my top 10 because of his character and that stuff. So he's a terrible wrestler. So he's going to have, he's going to have fun when I go next. Go ahead. Uh Oh, (laughs) all right. Go ahead, AJ. Who are you throwing up there, sir? I'm Shawn Michaels. So, Wow, you look excited about that one, too. What is the hell is with everybody looking so excited about their picks? Uh, It's quarter of one. No, it's not. (laughs) Uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, he's the the best in-ring performer I've ever seen. So if if you go look at a list of, like, the top 50 matches of all time, he's probably in 15 of them. So, like, he – and he almost had – and he had two careers. So he had the career where he was an asshole – and a dickhead to everybody still put on some good matches. Then he went away, came back and almost had a better tenure the second time around than he did the first time around. (laughs) So he's had good matches with just about everybody, anybody that got in the ring with him other than Hogan, because they didn't like each other and he wouldn't sell for Hogan. So other than the Hogan match, I don't, there's not a lot of bad Shawn Michaels matches really. No, especially since he came back. Yeah, and the two Undertaker matches that he had, phenomenal. Both yeah. matches are crazy. Yeah, one, one of those is considered one of the top five matches of all time, generally. So, it's, it's, so that's crazy. The, 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 I'm sorry, I was going to say the interesting thing, I think, is that even with as much like uncooperativeness as there was in that match, I think he and Hogan still had a better match for what Hogan was capable of doing in 2005 than by any rights they could have had or should have had. Because so. Michaels Michaels and Flair and Bret Hart are probably the three best like in-ring generals of all time. They put people over. They know how to make people look good. They knew how to like call a match. I mean, I, I feel bad for anybody in WWE that had to follow Shawn Michaels in a gimmick match that he was in first. Good luck. So he set the bar pretty high in the ladder match, in the Iron Man match, in the Elimination Chamber, even in Hell in a Cell. He set the bar really high. Every time they threw out a gimmick match, they're like, we're going to put Sean in this first because he's really good at all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. The only thing Shawn Michaels wasn't good at was he was an asshole <laughs> for the, uh, the beginning chunk of his career. He was a dick. I know he was a dick. He was a dick. He threw his weight around. I've read all kinds of stuff about all the politics and the backstage crap that him and triple H and razor and all those guys were doing. It's, it's crummy that, but he knew he was better than anybody else. Even than Brett, he knew he was better than anybody else there. And he knew he could get away with stuff. And Vince couldn't get rid of him because he was better than everybody else there. Like Owen Hart, if like, that's why I said in the first podcast, if Owen Hart would have not died, I think him and Shawn Michaels would have been really fun to watch when Michaels came back because Michaels was on even Michaels was on. He was like way ahead of his time, just like Owen Hart was. These guys were doing stuff that nobody else was doing. That's why they put Michaels in the Ironman match with Bret Hart, because there was nobody else for him to do that match with. They didn't have anybody else on their roster that they could have done that match with other than Bret Hart. Mm -hmm. So Michaels was really good 
at the, the in-ring stuff. That's why I'm picking him because I the in-ring stuff is the most important yeah. to me, and he's the best in-ring performer I have ever seen. I don't think we're ever going to see anybody who's better at that than he was. So, good pick. I, I would also just say that I, I really feel, and it's it's not totally because of his attitude, though. A lot of, in a lot of ways, it is that if he hadn't come back for this the second half of his career, if you will. I don't think he'd be deserving of. I'm not even sure if he would be in my top ten, quite frankly. And that's it's largely because I wasn't watching WWE when he was in his prime and everything. But it was also because like the attitude stuff, that the fact that he wouldn't put people over, he'd always seem to find a way to vacate the belt rather than dropping to somebody. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually inclined to agree with you, Pat. I don't know if he was top ten worthy until he came back and. Yeah tore the house down with the undertaker and Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle. I think that all that stuff helped justify him as one of the greatest in ring guys ever. Yeah. He, he did a lot of great stuff in the second half of his career. And of course the, the funny thing about it too, is that except for that brief one month period there where he won the belt at the elimination chamber throughout <laughs> the span of that second half of his career, he never held the belt. I mean, they had the brief tag team title reign with triple H but he was never a champion throughout that it was really more about just having feuds, you know, helping to like, you know, put other guys up to the second level to, to, to increase levels, whether it was he, Jericho or Angle or he, Ed or John Cena or he so. Really, yeah. He really was that guy that didn't need a belt. We say that about people all the time. He was like the epitome of that. I think during that stretch where he really didn't need a belt and it didn't fucking matter whether he had a belt or not. Yeah. All right. Theo, last but certainly not least, I'm interested to see hear your pick for greatest of all time. Oh so my. Right. <laughs> I, I have an I, I have a feeling, but let's see if I'm right. This is hard for me. <laughs> because I already knew pretty much what you three guys were going to pick. Which is fine. Um I was torn between these two guys. And I'm still torn right now before I pick. <laughs> Um, I just want to say I'm glad you're okay with my pick. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like it's it's legitimate. Yeah, your pick um, was good, Jeremy. You're you're if you, any you could have taken any three guys from the any of those three guys from the Attitude Era, and I think you're fine. So, reason this is hard for me because they both did a lot in their career. Um, going with the Undertaker, it was between him and Flair. Him and Flair, they're like my 1A and 1B right now. Wow, um, I, I really thought it was going to be Sting. I'm surprised. Um, I actually did think it was going to be The Undertaker. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they both had great careers. They both pretty much stayed longer than they should have, of course. Uh, most of them do. Um yeah, it was challenging for me ever since we brought up this topic. Like, I, I knew Pat was going to pick Hogan. That's fine. Like, Hogan's probably, like, my number three um, on my list, probably, for the most part. Um, I'm just going to go with Undertaker. Flair could be on there, too. People will probably be mad because I didn't pick Flair. It is what it is. I'm just going with Undertaker <laughs> for this one. Long career. Did a lot of things, had a lot of good matches as well. Some crazy shit that he's done. Um, he's one of those gimmicks. Well, I know he was with WCW beforehand, 
about when he came with WWF at that time is uh, his gimmick was very, um, it was just out there. It was very, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, he had people at Survivor Series, kids were a little scared of him coming out uh, with uh, the way his look, you know, the the Undertaker, the, the guy of death and whatnot. But he's changed his gimmick a lot over the years with the biker. I kind of liked his biker gimmick probably the most, even though I like, you know, I like the goth, goth stuff, even though, you know, I like the brood, even though they sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like characters who have like the dark side um, as far as for as much as I like Stinger, um, the the surfer sting. I like the crow sting just as much and sometimes just a little bit better as well. Besides the surfer sting, that's just me. Because I, I like I'm in the vampires and all that shit. So that those type of gimmicks they draw to me more um, than for others. But uh, I'm not gonna go too much into it. But you know, Undertaker and is my uh, he's one A. Flair is my one B. Yeah. So, but I'm just gonna go to Undertaker. It is what it is. <laughs> all right. That's a better that that's a better pick than Hogan at least. So. <laughs> Um, to some degree, would... yes, and to some degree, no. I can argue for Hogan in, in multiple ways. I mean, I can, sure. like, like I said, I can argue with all you guys all night too. So I can argue against both of them all night. I'm not going to do it. So, but I can. Yeah, so. we can. <laughs> to argue is okay. Just make sure you make a fucking point. <laughs> That's all. All right. Yeah. So, anyways. That does so. Let's recap our Mount Rushmore. On Mount Rushmore today, we have The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker. So, great in my personal opinion. Another great Mount Rushmore. Whether you liked them, didn't like them, indifferent towards them, look like you're smelling shit from a mile away because you don't like Hogan. <laughs> um, no but, comment. No, no comment. <laughs> Um, but anyways, it's another good Mount Rushmore. Well, and this this show, guys, it, we all know it's all about our opinions and what we think. We don't always have to agree, and I don't think it's good that we always agree. Because what the hell fun would that be if we agreed about every freaking topic, anyways? So it'd be boring. Yes, it would be quite boring, <laughs> and I think everybody would start tuning out if I if everybody's just like, yeah, that's great, yeah, I like that too. Um, so. That does bring us to the end of our show, and we just want to thank everybody, as always, for tuning in, watching, catching us wherever you are. We do appreciate it, and we, as we always do, we do this for fun. We do this for you guys. We do this for ourselves because, hey, uh, if we weren't doing this, we don't know what the hell we'd be doing right now. Anyways, well, maybe sleeping because it is a little late on a Sunday evening. <laughs> uh, Pat would be jerking to gurkin, joking to chicken. Oh, no, I was saying you'd be <laughs> He was saying you would be doing that. Uh, yeah, possibly, I, quite possibly. I, I, I'd be sleeping at this time right now if you guys didn't have me up here. So, oh, like. he would have already been done jerking the gherkin and and sleep, <laughs> falling asleep in the chair. Hey, as long as you clean up after yourself, you're good. That's right. Always clean up after yourself. Anyways, um, hey, so what's our topic for next time? Sports movies. Sports movies. So catch us next week as we talk about sports movies. And boy, there are a fuck ton of those movies out there that we can talk about. And I'm sure that'll be a fun episode because, hey, all of us love sports movies and uh, especially Rudy. Um, 
So it'll be a fun <laughs> episode. Please tune in. We hope to talk, see you guys. Well, not see you guys, but he- talk to you guys and uh, spread some more fun and joy and entertainment. So until next time, we say peace, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>